Hello everyone and welcome back to the Empty Space In Between podcast episode 26. We're moving past, we're, we're storming the episode numbers in. I know, we are taking we're, over a lot of podcasts man. We are, we're taking over, we're, we're the numbers anyway. And we just passed as well 500 views as well. <laughs> past 500 views, which is a big milestone for us because um, we didn't think, like we... We, we thought there was a gap in the market, but we didn't really know, did we? No. So it, it's nice to see that people are actually listening and enjoying it. So thank you all. I think the first podcast, we got like minus 20 views. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone told us they hated us and we all stung. <laughs> you stink! <laughs> but yeah, so episode 26, again, we're rolling with another guest. I've said, man. We yeah. are. We yeah. are rolling with another guest. So thank you very much for coming on, Dr. Chris Cavana. <laughs> thank you very much. How are we? Not too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, oh, right. it makes me laugh. So, like behind the curtain, we've already had like an hour introduction before we yeah, even started recording. But yeah, so um, we'll just roll right into it then because we we've been speaking. So we know you um as well. This is how we were introduced. You are the fiance of one of the crowd favourites, Doctor Anya McDermott. So that's, so, <laughs> so that's how that's how we were introduced. <laughs> 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 I'm going to send her that clip. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how we were introduced, but you are a researcher in, is it archaeology, ancient history? Ancient history and archaeology, So yeah. that's how we know you. How would you describe yourself to somebody who was like, who is Chris Who Cavana? is Chris Who is Cavana? Dr. Chris Cavana? I had Malter. No, I had the, uh, <laughs> I had Malter. I, uh, yeah, in two hours. Fucking <laughs> 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 hours. Uh, no, the, um, my work sort of uh, involves, I love, I love all history, but if you had to, you know, um, force me, I'd say, in the ancient world, uh, the way people live their lives, um, uh, not only like in terms of like going, like, going to war and stuff like that which is something a lot of people are naturally interested in but uh, like uh, even the clothes they wore the like customs even things as simple as like a handshake to us today something like that interests me um, and uh, religion is a really big one for and me like customs and how much that's changed uh, over time and also just understanding like the differences between modernity and the ancient world so uh, like uh, like a lot of my research at the minute is focused on a particular cult um and a cult of uh, she's called the Magna Mater, literally means the big man or the great mother in uh, in Latin, and uh, she had a very interesting um, group of followers. Uh, these priests called the Gallii, uh, Gallii like the word Gaul, like French, like France Gallic. Uh, but the Gallii, um, if you if you were a Gallus priest, you had to be born a sexed male, so you had to have you know male genitals and all that, uh, and you had to um, on what's called the De Sanguinis, so the Day of Blood, bit of a giveaway. You had to, you worked yourself up into an ecstatic frenzy, and yeah. then you castrated yourself uh, without any anaesthetic or anything. You just did the thing yourself, either with a sharp stone or a piece of pottery, or a knife, depending on who you ask. Gotta that's say, the, Chris, that's the maddest intro ever. That is crazy. <laughs> we, got, we, got in, we got into Chris Cavana yeah. chopping dicks off. Yeah, yep. Cavana, yeah so, so I'm really interested in like handshakes and how people chop the dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick That was the best intro. I was about to say, so like, I, that escalated quickly. Yeah, that escalated quickly. So, like with all, I guess like we like to break the ice, but I feel we're already there. We'll, we'll go ahead with it anyway. So, what we do when we have guests on, we like to ask three. Uh, Three highbrow questions. And yeah, we man. need to stop saying them highbrow. They're, they they're, they're very lowbrow. They're not lowbrow, man. We'll let you decide because the first one is what is your favourite sandwich? <laughs> highbrow told you. 
I tell you what, actually, um, and it's weird because I can only get it here. You know your cheddar plowmans that you yeah. lads do? Yeah. It's gorgeous. I don't know why. I Back home, you don't really get them. Back home, I mean, like, Northern Iron. But uh, over here, just when I'm in, I don't know, we most recently we were at the airport there, I says the onion, I was like, oh, fuck the day cheddar plowmans here. I don't know why, but it's well, like, just like... like a Branston pickle with a tip That's it, just pickle and cheese. And just like, it's so something. simple, but fuck me, it's gorgeous. Yeah, good don't don't give them sandwiches in Northern Ireland. They don't, they don't do each other. Well, it's not that common. They don't really do cheddar plowmans over there. But uh, I, used, I when I was doing archaeology, like a lot of my digs or something, you know, you You'd, you'd fuck off to the local whatever shop or garage yeah. they had and they always had cheddar plowmans and I'd have that for my lunch every day and it's yeah, just one nice they are, I don't the, nice sandwich like satisfying nice sandwich. cheddar as well on a cracker with See. Branston pickle in your mouth oh it, it is, is nice. satisfying isn't now, it that, you know, I'd say that the one thing as well is that unfortunately I have a bit of a disclosure I'm a disclaimer vegetarian I know sorry nobody's perfect <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's over to end the podcast it's all over <laughs> Well, uh, but uh, no, um, the uh, Anya, uh, who, who you met before, I think it was her, was a ham sandwich or something she Something said. like that, yeah. I am fucking bland. Yeah, because Anya, <laughs> if I it's some rejogging my memory now, Anya said she was dead fussy. She, oh, God, yeah. And that's you know why what, she um, picked the bland and we were looking yeah. at her like, no, surely oh, no, not. No, no, uh, don't she told you, yes, uh, she has a real hatred of lettuce. Lettuce, uh, she says it has a smell and a taste. I'm like, okay, it's a taste, but a fucking smell. And she's like, oh, I know it smells. It's literally just crunchy water. Ah, that's literally crunchy (laughs) water. (laughs) Any sandwich is uplifted by fresh lettuce, man. Exactly. So um, we had a subway uh, a couple of weeks back, and she's like, I could literally, you know, I could smell it off you. And I'm like, what? It's fucking lettuce. Is is, is Anya one of them, like, in a subway just gets like... Bread, meat, cheese. Yep. No, no, uh, no sauce. No, Get out no the subway, man. Oh, no, Get uh, out the subway. Well, what are you doing a, in subway? I had a Burger King two days ago, and she has to specify, you know. Doesn't you know, do, take everything off it. Take everything off it, just the meat and the uh, the bop. Um, oh, maybe no. she doesn't like tomato. She, oh, like you know, she eat chopped tomatoes like at a passata or something, but she will not eat like sliced tomato uh, as part of a thing. So uh, just to trigger her, I'll go have a salad maybe after veggie? this podcast. <laughs> is I, oh, she's not veggie. No, 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 no. God, no. No, the, uh, um, no I've, been, I've been a veggie for, God, 13 years now. But I'm, Okay, then the controversial opinion. I don't like the in-your-face movement. Like people who are all holier yeah, than that. Like the yeah. preachy, preachy, everyone needs to be veggie. Anyone. Yeah. I've been a veggie for many years, but I've never, I would never force my views upon anyone. Ideally, I'd love everyone that to be the same, you know, to, yeah. from all reasons and stuff, but I make my own choice. It's not the world like, we live in now, is it? That's yeah. not the world we live in, though. We, we all have different opinions, different uh, values and stuff. Well, we've got something different. to tell you. I'm not sure if you know, Chris. Me and Ryan were did vegan. Ve- were you? For, 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 a t- for a bit. For a year, at least. No, I did, I did vegan for about a month. I was veggie for a year. I did vegan for I did vegan for about six months and then veggie for about a year yeah. after that. How did you manage? Oh, it was just yeah, expensive. I, I, it is. It's so expensive. Spenny, and I've, I've said we, we had the stupid genius scales on. I went back because I felt like I was eating loads of processed food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, f- I was in the end thinking, a chicken breast has got to be better for me. Mm-hmm. For, you know, regardless of the planet. Than right. a veggie burger out of a box. It's got to be better for yeah. me. It's got less salt, less yeah. processed. Yep. And then I was just like, but I don't want to kill animals because I love them. I'm a big animal oh. lover. I have loads of animals at home. And I was just like, in the end I was like, and then yeah it's one if like for me too hungry of a man I, as I well said, <laughs> too big of a person I, t- I tell you what it threw out to me though I was like I tried loads of stuff I'd never tried loved mm-hmm. it and if I had like a personal chef 
who would cook me. You would do vegetarian, it. like really nice fresh cut meals all the time. I'd be veggie a hundred percent. Oh, I, yeah. because yeah. there was so much stuff I'd eat, like I'd chickpeas, lentils, and like oh fuck, I falafel. Oh, I can't get enough falafel. Of falafel. <gasps> I, I do love vegetarian. Like one of my favourite salads is just a simple caprese, eh, man. Oh, just I. mozzarella and tomato, olive yeah. oil, basil. But like it's a. I just like killing off a fucking surf and surf as well, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? I get that. Nope, completely get it. Yeah, Anya's yeah. like at my lamb, so uh, like I remember uh, I was a while ago now, but she was dying of a hangover. I know, shock, but uh, she was dying of a hangover, and uh, um, I done her dinner, and I done these lamb. I don't know if they're lamb cutlets, lamb shanks, or whatever. So I done them yeah. for just as a get. I'm not eating it. It's all right, and same principle. If I ever, if I ever have a couple of wins or a couple of kids, I would never be like, right, this is what you've ate. This is, what, like, this is what this is what I eat. I like Daddy, I wanna go get a happy meal. Oh, fucking right, son, let's go get you a happy meal. You know what I'm saying? You want, you want some yeah. ch- um I, I don't know, it's just like uh, again, my my choice is um uh, they're my own. And then if they and choose to be like veggies, I then found it dead hard as well yeah. to decipher the, the evidence on it. Like mm. what is the best for you? No, I get that. It's actually kinda like, difficult for me. I have to take supplements every day. Iron supplements are a big one because I don't get enough iron in my diet and protein as well, because there's not a lot of protein. It's dead hard and it's uh, a lot of Protein. Yeah, it's very hard. So I take protein and uh, iron um, supplements every day just to make sure that I'm not, you know, collapsing. Dead. <laughs> I died on my moral hill. <laughs> Literally. Didn't kill one animal in 13 years, but I killed myself. Yeah. When they say you die on your hill, I took that to the fucking extremes. You know what? Who the fuck's slamming out there? There man? must be a beer delivery coming in. But right, so Cheddar Plowman's. So next question is it's the famous question everyone asks Dead or Alive? You're also in a dinner party. Three people, who would you ask? Uh, dead or alive? Three dead people alive, at a dinner yeah, party? Yeah. Oof. That's a good one. Um, You're cooking. You're hosting. Uh, let's see. Uh, one of the first ones would come to mind would probably be someone like... Uh, let me think. See, uh, you already you get lost. You, you go down... You, you, you go get down all, little all, all these different so, names. Yeah. Probably... Um, well, first off, uh, maybe Stephen Hawking. He'd be an interesting one to have yeah. met. Just, I uh, would love to have met him when he was alive. Just, just have such a mind. Just like a poke, there, you know. Just a poke. Just, a poke his brain. Like, just be like, talk at me. Talk please. at me. Like, yeah. Sure, because I've. I've I love space. I love uh, uh, um, uh, astronomy and astrophysics yeah, and all yeah. that. If I wasn't a historian, I would be doing. I'd be, I'd be yeah, doing yeah. something to do with space or something like that. I says the onion as well. By the way, if we ever have a kid, where you know when you get like a kid, you get them, uh, you tell them what you, you know you want them to be something when they grow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get our kid to be involved with rockets. We're gonna subtly influence them from a child. You know, wallpaper or rockets. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the wee spinny thing above their crib. You know, yeah, so, so, what, so like, like have people have like Project Mbappe or just have Project Buzz. Aldrin yeah. <laughs> get to 18 what do you want to be an hairdresser <laughs> <Just didn't work. laughs> um, someone else Ooh, uh, so we've got Stephen Hawking maybe uh, one of the ancient ancient philosophers you know what Marcus Aurelius the Roman Emperor he'd be an interesting one because he's a very sad guy in history he wrote a famous uh, he's sad uh, very sad he, um, he's, you know, you've heard of Stoicism the Stoic or movement yeah, yeah. Stoicism is kind of like very serious very somber and Marcus Aurelius is one of the he's considered one of the great emperors um, you ever seen the film Gladiator yeah. he's played by uh, how do you call him your old man isn't it something oh is he, is he the emperor in Gladiator aye he's the oh, emperor of the shit. old one not, not Commodus that's his son uh, he's, ah. he's the bell end uh, was his son in, rea- <laughs> in real life as well but uh, Marcus Aurelius was a famous philosopher emperor and he wrote a book called The Meditations 
and we actually it was actually a private he wrote it for himself he didn't write it for for people Mad. to read and then we got it after he died and it's actually really sad it shows he was clearly very clinically depressed and he had a very bleak outlook of the world wow. and stuff like that and uh i don't it's know part of me would love to party then chris no 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 not to me I get him, get him a couple. Of, I don't know. Get him a couple of poppers. He'd be happy. You know, uh, Cheer up! <laughs> we have um, fucking Stephen Hawking too, and you're fucking sad. No, the um, uh, more of a just like the talk. Uh, I don't know. Part of me when I'm thinking about it, it's just like to show him like technological prowess and yeah. stuff, and to show that no matter how sad you might think. Humanity, the oh, life, yeah, the world get, yeah. perseveres, so it will continue on. Like, look how you were so bleak about what was coming, but actually things didn't yeah. end up so... I think he was also kind of bleak because he didn't want... It seems like he didn't want to be emperor, and he had it sort of foisted upon him to an extent. Uh, it was a very heavy burden, responsibility, and right around the time he became emperor, there was a huge series of crises around Rome, including the big plague, which killed his co-emperor, Lucius Varus, but also the Germans invaded, uh, Germanic invasions, um, and uh, I think it was the Marco Mani was the name of the tribe and he spent the latter part of his entire reign just campaigning he didn't want to but you know he's oh, forced shit. to to keep yeah, the, the frontiers yeah. secure but um uh, a lot of his meditations were written when he was on um uh campaign and stuff but he's uh again it's reading uh, reading his words it is it comes he comes across as just kind of a what's the word melancholic, Me- melancholy, melancholy. Yeah, he lived his life yeah. with a haze of melancholy yeah, every yeah. Day, that's yeah. it and it's a shame because uh, he seems like he was a far he had been a fairly decent fella he just needed a bit of cheering up you know ah. yeah and a very smart man as well yeah. but uh yeah so him and stephen hawking uh, just have him meet stephen hawking he's like literally he's, a, he, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's like more machine than human and he's still positive yeah. You know? so, uh, yeah. this man is the most intelligent yeah. man ever and he cannot speak this man <laughs> is the most intelligent either. he's got a disease where it's like a five-year prognosis and he's a uh, He's, he's like doing. 75 and he smiles. Yeah. Shut up, mate. Okay, so we've got Hawking. What's and his Marcus name? Marcus Aurelius. Aurelius, yeah. And then. Oh, there's... God. Okay. Then I have to go off something that's not. Like, you know what I mean? Because these men are known for their intelligence and stuff like that. A lot of people were picking, like, I won't, I won't influence you. I'm going to No, no, no. Oh, yeah, a lot of people might think of a celebrity or something, but. Uh... Kim K. <laughs> Who? Kim, Kim <laughs> Kardashian. Uh, oh, oh. oh Donald Trump. Know. Uh, you know what? Actually, I was thinking Donald Trump, and the only reason why is just so he could stand beside the next girl and go, amazing. amazing. Yeah. This is the best yeah. philosopher I've ever. What's he doing? Yeah. This, this man right here, the greatest philosopher that it's ever been. I was the greatest president. He was the greatest philosopher. Period. Stephen Hawking, it's the true. greatest scientist ever. It's true. This right here is the greatest dinner table that's ever been. His tiny wee hands with his big suit. You know, like Dr. Chris Cavana hosted this dinner party. The best archaeologist there's ever been. No two ways about it. These are all going to be in my future cabinet. Donald Trump. You know what I mean? far too much time pretending to I was saying, Chris, I become obsessed with the 2016 Republican debates. Oh God! Not the conservative debates because mm-hmm. it is just a comedy fest. Ah, it is. Yeah. And Donald Trump, no one had like we knew of him, mm-hmm. but and he just like people some like and all the rest of them were acting dead serious and like you know the, the governments are spending too much money. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Wrong, wrong, totally and factually yep. wrong. You're totally wrong. And then like people like Jeb, you know, to Jeb Bush, to, um, George Bush's Jeb, brother. Jeb Bush, he spoke and he went wow Jeb you finally woke up yeah sleepy <laughs> sleepy Jeb yeah, and if you had, if you had, if you had some uh, you know like what, what drugs you had today Jeb wow wow Jeb woke up everybody and it was just like 
<laughs> the crowd just laughing. Actual... And it's like, how are you meant to fucking get one up on this fella? You know what I mean? He's just, but yeah, Donald Trump tapped the mad Stephen Lever, Stephen Hawking, Aurelius, and Donald Trump. <laughs> a mad, a melancholy philosopher, a crazy narcissist, nutcase leader, and one of the most intelligent, the most intelligent people I've ever lived. I like it, you know, that, that could be up there, you know, that's one of my favourites. I like that'd be, it. That'd be a mad part, and just me sitting in the background. You, you <laughs> giving them to yes. <laughs> watching this going, This is the worst meal I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Right, we'll go with Donald Trump just for a laugh just for just to see what like. I like it I like it so the last question that we ask before we move into the, the main app is what's the worst job you've ever had we've had some crazy civil ideas. service hands down civil, civil service, service. service. I've ever worked I am not an office worker. I can't stand office politics. Is, it, was that what, is that what like proper got you was being in the office and like, that whole uh, environment? It's a wee bit more than that. Like, when I, I, I was a bit of a school dropout after I'd done my GCSEs. I was just like, didn't do the best. And I just, Fuck this. I was, I was a bit of a... I was an arsehole when I was a teenager, getting into trouble, got into fights all the time, stuff like that there. Dead and, you know, you know, fuck you, I make the rules. That sort of, sort of mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I went into full-time work and I joined the civil service. And this was around the time when I always, I've always loved history of love learning was it still so in Northern Ireland it's back in Northern yeah. Belfast I was working for the Department of the Environment I'm not going to give away names or where specifically but I was working as an admin assistant just processing papers and stuff I didn't fit in very well I was the new lad in the office and uh, first off I was a dick as, uh, as I said I was a t- I was pretty much still coming in a teenage sort of you know mentality and uh, a lot of people are very serious uh, couldn't crack jokes and um, because I was the new lad you push the new lad, but if I push back because I had a short temper at the time, and then it would get me in more trouble because yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, really understand yeah. office politics or how the rules worked, and that would just get me in more and more ah, shit. shit. And yeah. I got so bad that uh, I actually developed my first epileptic seizure. Oh um, shit! Uh, wow. I, I don't know. Mad. No, I, I turned out I'd been epileptic, <laughs> but um, the uh, <laughs> who I who just knew, yeah. uh, until I keeled <clears throat> over and completely uh, battered the shit out of what myself. What was like one the day. distress of it uh, bringing it out? I here. think it was something I got there. We still still haven't so figured out exactly what caused it. All I know is that keeled over and uh, apparently Anya tells me I still have them in my sleep so um, yeah. yeah so, so the, up until that point you'd never had not that I'm aware any... of not that I'm aware of I just keeled over in the middle I was actually playing wow. the game you know, uh, I don't know if you're video game but do you know Fallout 3 yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, playing yeah. Fallout 3 the bit where you're running to get to the, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel after the whole Project Purity spoilers but um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just some buffs some fucking watching two missions oh, no! No! <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to Starfield by the way can't wait for that to come out the new one the Bethesda game but anyway the uh, I was playing that there, and I've been playing it for years. It lightened, no effects, don't do anything to me. But I just felt really sick all of a sudden. I just it was a Friday night, just come out of work, and I was feeling really down that day because I'd just been getting getting a lot. Just of had a bad here. day. In just work, had a bad yeah. day. As bad days go, it was really bad, and I uh, just keeled over. I what? come came to, and uh, I my ma says, uh, "Son, you've had a seizure." And my dad was away with the army at the time, so it was just me, my mom, my brother, and my brother's mate in the house and uh, I'd managed to rip out some of my fingernails uh, tear out one of my toenails and knock out some of my teeth because I fell in between my bed and uh, you know one of the cupboards with like the wooden knobs and yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, bang 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 um, and uh, I mean I, just, I can't you? remember much it was how old was I, I was about 18, 20, 20 wow. just my, I, I have the exact same story I won't name him because he doesn't want to be mentioned one of my good mates when he was 18 mm. never had a epileptic fit in his life and you usually associate it with there's a few lads in our school who, when they were younger, and the dad did their whole life, and they mm-hmm. were still doing it. And he just, we were in a, we were in a house party one night when I was eighteen, all drinking and that, and he felt a bit off. 
And he was like, oh, I'm going you know, I'm, I'm gonna go, lads. And yeah. you're 10 o'clock, you know, when you're 18, you don't go out till nine. Yeah. Half nine, yeah. you meet it. I'm like, you all right, lads? He was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go home, boys. I've only been here for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Someone come and got him. Um, and then like an hour later, his mum or someone contacted us from his family. He was like, oh, you know, he's had, a, he's had a fit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was just like... Mad, isn't it? At that age, so just the best that you way to explain it. it. There's just something's off. I can't yeah. even put it into words. Some people get weird. There's uh, everyone thinks the stereotype. You get it from flashing lights. It's not true. M- majority of epileptic seizures are not caused by the strobe Some lighting. people can't have it from. I know that. a girl that had it from when she heard a loud bang, like she'd keel over and have a seizure. I met a girl who had that there. Um, and it's, it's some people get it from stress. Some people get it from exhaustion. It's there's so many different exhaustion triggers. is one. The yeah. doctor was like, you need was, yeah. eight hours. Definitely, if he don't get, and then if he doesn't get a, a long sleep, the next day he's very like cautious about always mm-hmm. moving, and he tries to rest a lot because you know you know. Well, you feel like you've uh, you've run a marathon, see, because all your muscles are going like that. So they are, um, you know. So oh. it's like it's get in good, bed it's for days workout, after. It, like, like, uh, he, like, yeah. he was yeah. like in bed for the whole day after. No. Once he done, it's awful. Yeah, I, uh, I used to crack. I again, I have a very dark sense of humour, so I always find a way, you know, like cracking jokes. Make lights out so of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I when I ever had a seizure, I'd say I'm not having a seizure. I'm having a flash dance and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> just, um, and uh, we'll break dance. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, or I would, I would get crack the video jokes. camera. <laughs> I I crack jokes to like friends and family. Uh, occasionally, one or two of my friends didn't know I was an epileptic. I crack these jokes until they got offended, and then I dropped the bombshell. After <laughs> going, you know, I'm allowed to. I can say this. I can get away with it. You know, but yeah. um, the uh, I don't know. It's um, it's a lot more manageable now. I haven't had any grand mals, and or at least waking grand mals in a very long time. But Anya says I'm still flopping about occasionally uh, in my sleep at night. Um, and the thing is, I thought they'd die down for a long time, but until like about I don't know a year ago, she was telling me, "Yeah, you are you flopping about in your sleep?" And I was like, "Yeah, since when?" You know, um, it might have been maybe the stress. Since <laughs> when you're lying? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> no, the uh, it's uh, could have been the stress of the PhD. I don't know, but um, because that was when I was wrapping it up and stuff. And but, it, yeah, um, it ramps up and it's constant all yeah. the time. Type but, thing. I, I don't know. Um, again, it's just, uh, uh, it's definitely much more manageable than it was at the very start. Um, I remember good. they put me on certain medication and it was absolutely ugh, it was it was Tegretol they put me on and um, it. It turned me into a ghoul, like a zombie, sort of dro- yeah. nearly drooling at the bloody mouth. So I was hit it, never took it again. But um, other ones that, that they act like they're almost like the same effect an antidepressant would have, the sort of neurosuppressant like, sort of thing. Becomes... It kind of makes you very like level zen, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, apathetic. No. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, the um, the, just to come back, this all started around the time I was working this job. I absolutely hated it. So, worst job I've ever worked in my life. Office job, civil service. We'll never do a job like that again as long as I live. Fair play. So we'll move into the main beat of the podcast now. So you said, or alluded to earlier, that school dropout hated it. Mm. Like, wasn't really bothered. So how did uni come about then? Like when was when was the flip round where you went, right, I wasn't really bothered in school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you just said you went into the civil service from school. At what point did you go? I'm, like, I'm interested in history, ancient history and stuff like that. When did you go, oh, I'm going to pursue uh, this at university? I've been interested in history all my life since I was a child. My ma, I used to love dinosaurs. Like, oh, what we yeah. didn't love dinosaurs. Jurassic Park, fuck yeah. <laughs> the, um, I love dinosaurs, and then from there I progressed to things like ancient Egypt and stuff like that. And I always, I was a real geek when I was in primary school, and then I became a complete arsehole in secondary school. But um, the when I was in primary school, I used to love reading, going to the book fairs. My ma would buy me books and stuff like that there. And I really have to credit my ma and dad, because again, we're from a really, really working class background. Like, um, where I grew up, Sandy Row in Belfast is kind of like, 
oh, I don't know. Is there is Toxta from Liverpool? It's a bit of a rougher yeah. area. It's kind of like that. Um, and uh, out of my whole school, we had a thing called. I uh, don't know if you have your eleven plus tests. You might not have them here. No, but no. these are like assessment tests when you're going into secondary school to see your levels. You know, uh, we have like, like SATs. We yeah. have SATs. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we have. Yeah, we call yeah. them eleven plus in Northern Ireland. And uh, I did very well and all that. But history and geography and just learning just like, stuff. That was it. Just really, really good at it. Um, and uh, I've always been good at it, even when I'm a teenage years. But then again, when I was a teenager, I was more interested in getting girls and just messing around and, you know, the just, respect of my peers. Yeah. Sort of the thing. whole and point. And not caring about what man they are or your future. Went yeah. away. That happens, to, that happens to a lot of maybe young women as well. But like, obviously, I don't know how women feel. But I think like a lot of lads, I went to an all boys school. Uh-huh. A lot of lads do change. As well, yeah. A lot of lads do change in those years, yeah. and you do become obsessed with like what what the lads think about you, and yeah. can't you know like who are you seeing? How many girls have you been with? Are yeah. you drinking yet? Have you had these drugs or whatever? And it's just like it becomes very much pressure, and you close all stuff that all other avenues could like, be important yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I uh, I. When I went, I went in the civil service and I hated the job, but I never forgot my interest in history and stuff. And then it was that point, I just remembered, like, what the hell am I doing? And then I started uh, going with a girl at the time who had just went into her first year of university and she was about a year younger than me. She's a lovely girl, so she is, but um, uh, watching her do that and seeing her progress was kind of like a wake-up call in my it head. I was like, oh, Chris, yeah. you, want, you do not want to fall behind, you know? You don't want to be, like, constantly, you know, wishing you could have done this sort of thing. And it was also my mom and dad. My mom, for many years when I was a kid, had sort of, like, said, you're going to do great, you're going to do this, that, and the other, because, you know, because I was weird compared to a lot of my schoolmates in primary school, because I loved reading, learning, and stuff, and I was the teacher's pet and stuff like that, you know, so she's like, you're definitely going to do really well, you're going to go to university, because no one in our family at that time had gone to university, and um, at that point, I just said, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go back, and the thing is, I still remember telling my mum, I'm going to go to tech, I'm going to do the course, and she went, oh, I'm sure, you know, like, she was, she didn't I, really I don't believe that. you. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe you, sort of thing, but, but I did. did you feel like you'd let it down a little bit? I did, I did, I, know really, I was kind of ashamed by that there, yeah. um, uh, it's exactly, uh, felt, felt yeah, like I let her down, it's, it's exactly it, but I went in, and I wanted to do history, history was all full up, so they only had an option of sociology, philosophy, and politics, so I did sociology, philosophy, and politics, and philosophy introduced me to the ancient Greek philosophers, oh, and, sure. uh, so that's where that kind of the, love the, for that came, or developed. I know I love the ancient history, but that intro- introduced me to a different aspect of ancient history, right, like right, uh, right. the philosophers, like uh, Plato's Republic, and stuff like that, and I love reading that, funny story, it Turns out on his dad, who when I first met him, he had the exact same teacher as me. He did the exact same course. The sure same, teacher, no the same man. And we we're both talking. Did he talk about it? <laughs> yeah. talk about it? <laughs> and we we're absolutely brilliant. So it was. Yeah. So me and him get on like two pieces in the ball because we have yeah. to have the same philosophy the same teacher in tech. What a but, small world. Um, it is. But uh, we, I went to college, um, I did that, and um, I uh, did politics, philosophy, sociology, sociology, and then I passed and got into uh, uh, university, and I did a bachelor's in ancient history and archaeology, um, aced it, I, mean, well, I, did, I did very well, I mean, I flew for it, yeah. um, and then I did my master's in Sweden, uh, I moved to oh, Sweden for two years, I, I, Sick. I didn't know um, that. funny story, uh, my best friends are all Swedish, uh, like a, a archaeology guys you know I've met them all, all blondes and gorgeous the men and women yeah. in Sweden just seem to be better it's looking fu- than it's everybody funny. else it's, it's, it's literally it's, re- it's women were the reason I went to Sweden is because I at the end of third year I was what, working did, you know what I'm saying though they just look like they're just good looking you know yeah, the yeah. men and women they're just good looking um, like the, you go uh, to a beach and all of it and you go they're Swedish <laughs> like tan skin blonde hair and you're just like the you hell man you get a phone call off your bed in a minute yeah, sorry Danny how, how do you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I uh, I uh, was working on the Erasmus program in the third year. It's like uh, introducing the foreign students, uh, yeah, like yeah. welcoming them over to my university. And um, yeah, they uh, I got on really well with a group, and then there was a group of Swedish women. I got on really well with them, and I struck up a sort of like budding romance with one and then she told me because I said I was wanting to go on to do further studies but in the UK you had to pay a lot of money for a master's she said go to Sweden you get free tuition I'm like what this yeah. is when we're EU and yeah, I was like yeah, yeah. I was like so uh, I ended up moving to Sweden <laughs> Lund I spent two years there I met I met a woman and I was with her for about three years um, yeah, yeah. and then we went our separate ways and then I came back home but um, I studied there I learned the language uh, not that it's very useful but um, isn't, the, it, uh, the, isn't like Sweden the only place that speaks that language is that is yeah that right? pretty yeah. much it's, uh, well no the thing is you understand Swedish you can kind of understand Norwegian and Danish I well think, they can understand you uh, to an extent, no, uh, the Swedish, uh, the Danish is, uh, apologies to any Danish viewers, um, Danish, uh, Swedes like to joke that if you speak Danish, it's like speaking with a potato in your mouth, uh, like, uh, uh my friend Axel, who's, uh, he's my, my best friend, he's half Danish, um, and he, um, uh, ta- he taught me a lot of Swedish, but he, he has a very strong southern accent, it's called Skånska, and, uh, like, uh, let me think of an example, an old-fashioned word for farmer in Sweden is literally a landbreaker, landsbrukere. So I'd say I am a, I am a farmer, jogger in landsbrukere. But if I said it with a skånske dialect, it's jogger in landsbrukere. So you can hear it's got a lump in your throat, right in the back, yeah. of, if I go uh, in a weird way. But um, it's uh, it's a fascinating language, and actually. Um, uh, that's what sparked my interest in ancient languages and other languages as well because a lot of the words we use are actually derived from uh, Old Norse and Scandinavian and the same with Irish the Irish language um, is that uh, due to when like the Vikings yeah the Vikings came over and, and you've seen the oh, word uh, I don't know uh, you don't have many Presbyterian churches here but have you ever heard of the word Kirk like okay. a Kirk no. In Scotland, you get Kirk. that a lot. Uh, the name Kirk. Yeah. Well, Kirk means church. Uh, you get it in Northern Ireland. You get it up in Scotland. It's a Presbyterian term usually, but it comes from the Swedish word K-Y-R-K-A, Kirka, which is their word for a church, or Kirsha uh-huh. in Germany. So uh, you see that word as a clear root. And in Irish, it's kill. So you can see uh, the original yeah, uh, root of the Scandinavian loanword. I technically am Presbyterian. What what is Presbyterian? Sorry. I don't know. Well, the only reason I'm Presbyterian... Scottish Protestants, essentially. Oh, right, the only okay. reason I'm Presbyterian... Is as my dad was married before my mum, and it was the only church that I'd let him remarry. Yeah. So your dad's Scottish? No, no. No, it's just the it, Scottish. Uh, it's a Scottish-based um, faith, and a lot of them moved over to Northern Ireland or Ulster. Uh, whereas in England, you've got the main church of the main Protestant church, Anglicanism, the Church of England. Now I've been to an Anglican service, and it, I had never been to one before because again, I come from a Protestant background in Northern Ireland. Our services are very simple, very like serious. If you've been to a Presbyterian service or a baptism or something, um, you'd see. I, I probably did when I was younger, but not but to the point where I remember. Church of England, it's just Catholicism. You come in with a big gilded cross. It's oh, like yeah. peace be upon you. And oh, like, yeah, this is all... just Catholicism. What is this? Yeah. But um, I, because I, again, it's the. I'm Roman Catholic. <laughs> but, uh, he's not to me <laughs> no, but, the, uh, but uh, even that is like uh, there is a definite difference between things like Presbyterianism and Roman Catholicism uh, Presbyterianism generally at least from my experience is much more austere uh, less like beauty or ornateness um, even less colour in a lot of their services and stuff oh, wow. like that as well it's, uh, it's really fascinating just the differences in uh, in Christian religion let alone um, all the ancient religions and religions, stuff like that religions fascinating uh, I, t- I tell you one um, the, uh, you know like uh, especially as a Roman Catholic if you walk past a, a nunnery or a convent is there a certain symbol you make or a sign you make for your hand it's the 
Yeah, the, 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 the cross, sign of the cross. Yeah, yeah. Now I know a couple of my friends back uh, back home that would make the sign of the cross in front of a, uh, a religious area. You know, it's sacred to their to their faith. In ancient Greece, they did the same thing. You walk past the temple, but you blow a kiss. You go. And you blow a kiss that way, and literally, um, it's interesting. The reason they did this, it's just like a sort of genuine. It's called genuflection. You sort of curtsy in front of you show. Uh, how do you say? You sort of bow down before the gods and show them respect. Alexander the Great demanded they do this to him when he became king of Persia, and the Greeks were like, "Fuck off!" When it happened, it's the terms literally proskinesis, literally pros towards kinios to kiss, to kiss towards, and uh, the Greeks, uh, the Persians did it all the time to their king. They would blow a kiss as a sign of respect and when Alexander became the king of Persians he's like right do that to me but the Greeks uh, because the Greeks uh, is it's tied within their culture to the gods you're like you're not a god you're a mortal man get the fuck that's and, what was uh, interesting that's I, one I'm of the not, things he I'm, wasn't they weren't having sorry I'm not clued up loads on like Greek mythology or nothing but like that's one of the things that like fascinates me about the Greeks is and I've heard Stephen Fry talk about this a lot because he's got a lot of work on it is he never like pretended to be like these like perfect people. And oh no, the gods were flawed. The gods time. were all, whereas the gods yeah. the, in like I don't know Catholic the Catholic. Yeah, faith, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's God, like couldn't do anything wrong. Do no wrong. Yeah, it's a day. infallible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the Greek gods were like, oh Zeus was uh, you know a, a, a person oh, with loads of he was a bastard yeah. and it was just like that's so good. How even like they just seem it just seems more intellectually put together this than. Is, one of the best, I'm sorry, one of the best stories in the ancient Greek myth is how the Trojan War started, you know, the story of Troy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is, it's called the, the Judgment of Paris, or the Contest of Paris. Paris is the fella, you know, that took um, uh, Helen and brought her over to yeah, Troy, yeah, Helen yeah. of Sparta, and then it started the whole thing. Well, there was, a, there, was a, there was like a party for all the gods. All the gods were in attendance. And uh, one goddess, Eris, was not invited. Now, Eris is the goddess of strife and discord. So you don't want to invite discord to a party. You know, it's pretty much the shit stir. She is the shit stir. You do not want to invite the goddess to shit stir. That's all the reason to get it. Eris was not happy about this. She was pissed and rightfully so. So what she did, she decided to get revenge and she made a beautiful golden apple and inscribed on it in Greek to the fairest or to the most beautiful and fucked it into the middle of the party. And then that caused a scrap between all the goddesses because Minerva, or sorry, Athena was like, that's to me. Aphrodite was like, no, that's to fucking me. I think it was Demeter might have been the other goddess. She's like, no, that's to fucking me. And then they all had a contest. And then Paris, the mortal man, was invited to judge. So he, the judgment of Paris is like, which one of these is the most beautiful? And all the goddesses offered him these things. If you make me, if you judge me as the, the most beautiful of the goddesses, I'll give you this. And then Aphrodite won him because uh, Aphrodite said, like, no, no, no. she says to Paris, uh, if you judge me the most beautiful, I'll give you the most beautiful woman in the world. And Paris went, all right, I'll judge you. And then she gave him Helen and made Helen fall in love with him. And then he kidnaps her and takes her to Troy. And that's how the whole fucking Trojan War that's started. All man. because of a scrap between yeah. you know like a jealous can, goddess can i just say right this is the best way i've ever heard history described <laughs> she she fucked an apple in she went that's me no get to fuck that's me it's the best description of Greek you, you mythology know. ever that's the that's I why it. i feel that's one thing i feel that's really lacking uh one of the reasons it makes me very passionate about what i do when i'm teaching um i feel that classics it it, it's taught it's, in a classic it's way. It's taught in a classic way. It needs to be, there needs to be a more down to earth way to approach it, a way to make it more relatable to and modernity. to a lot yeah. of other people. Uh, like, for example, I teach on Alexander the Great. After he died, the whole Greek world went to shit. It went to hell in the handbasket because everyone wanted to be king. They're all killing each other left, right, and center. There's murders, assassinations. Oh, challenges appeared. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was just like Game of Thrones just like Game yeah, of Thrones yeah. um, and then of course you even have the White Walkers the Gauls the Gauls invade from the north uh, in Macedonia and they completely put the 
country, the whole place to the sword. They devastate Macedonia, get down as far as Delphi and southern Greeks before they're beaten back. Um, you ever seen the Bible, the book of Galatia, or the Galatians? Okay, well, there's a book called the Galatians because there's a place in central Turkey today where Ankara is, and the Celts actually migrated there and settled there and became a pain in the arse to all the kingdoms that were in the area until they were sort of brought under control. Um, but so was that yeah. like under, it was the Ottomans about then around oh no there, way way before that, well we're, talking, before no, that. we're talking about uh, 2200 300 years ago oh, shit. so the Ottomans were around from the thir- 12 1300s onwards so I mean much much later but no, definitely the um, this period the Galatians uh, they are a Celtic people that came from sort of central Europe migrated down as, as two large waves and completely devastated the Greeks um, all while they were fighting like in a Game of Thrones yeah, yeah. it's just like the White Walkers so, so do you reckon um, they've got those like the Game of Thrones have probably been influenced wouldn't be surprised uh, your manager Jar Martin's obviously very well versed in his history yeah, I yeah. think he based a lot of it in the Wars of the Roses um, but uh, he uh, you know the English um, strife between the royal yeah. houses uh, or the, the cadet houses of the royal family but either way they um the uh, a lot of uh, people who write these really good epics are probably influenced from classical yeah, yeah. Uh, themes as well. Because what's amazing, as you say, when you delve into history, you're like just listening to you speak on a very fucking minute part of history. Mm-hmm. You're not making anything more better than that, are you? No. Do you know what I mean? Like when you when you listen to that and go, "Oh, that happened." Well, I'm not writing anything better than fucking that. Am I? Yeah. So I, I may as well just re rehash it. There's yep. some incredible things. Even uh, locally here, um, the uh, the um, like the, the way the the, the Britons, uh, sorry, Britain was invaded by Rome. Julius Caesar landed here in Britain uh, twice. I think it was twice. And then uh, he didn't conquer, but it was Emperor Claudius that eventually invades. And do you know the capital? He set up his capital after he conquered Britain, Colchester. Colchester. Colchester was the the capital of Britain at the time. London. Colchester. <laughs> Oh no, it gets better. Um, uh, do you know where there was a legionary base right beside us, just south of us, Chester? Oh, Chester. Chester. Is, that was yeah, the yeah. base of the uh, 20th Legion. And yeah. every single uh, legion had a nickname, like military units today, like you yeah. got the Black Watch and stuff like that, or the Enniskillen Dragoons to go back in time, or the yeah, yeah. Scots Guard, Welsh Guard. I knew Guard, Chester had big Roman ties. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Chester was uh, originally called Deva Victrix, um, which is literally the, uh, I think it means Vic- the victorious deva or the goddess or the victorious goddess but um they uh i think it means the victorious deva anyway uh but the 20th legion was based there and its nickname was the valeria victrix which is literally translated as the valorous and victorious 20th legion so uh, they all had these nicknames like that they even had a legion uh called rapax which means the rapists or the predators uh they had the rapax you had ferrata the ironclad you had the um Fratensis of the Straits because they crossed uh, yeah, yeah. Like the Straits of a, of a sea. Uh, you also have like Gemina, the twins and stuff like that. And then the 14th Legion, which is very famous because they're the ones that beat Boudicca. You've heard of Boudicca? Famous. Um, you ever go down to London uh, beside Westminster? There's a big chariot, a wom- uh, bronze statue of a woman on a chariot. I've, yeah, I know she the, was, I know um, the- Statue. She comes from uh, in East Anglia, and uh, she was the, the the leader of a tribe of Britons called the Iceni, and she was pretty badly treated by the Romans, to put it mildly. Um, she was whipped, and I think her children were either raped or enslaved, or some form the Romans did something bad to or her kids. A combination. Uh, a whole combination. She rose in revolt, and a huge British army took on the Romans. Romans were hugely outnumbered. Camulodunum, Colchester, was destroyed. London, at the time, was a small veterans' colony, so for, old for retired Roman soldiers, put to the sword, destroyed. 
and then they marched up towards um, uh, they marched towards central England. Legions from Chester, from Wales, from southern England marched. Well, not in southern England actually. I think that legion refused to join. But those fourteen thousand men, roughly, took part in the uh, Roman army, fought the British, uh, the Britons, sorry, at the Battle of Watling Streets. You know the road, the Watling Road or Watling Street, still there today. You still drive along it, but um, it was a main thoroughway connecting like central England, like a spine from yeah, Wales yeah. going across. And uh, yeah, 14,000 Romans against huge numbers. We don't know how numbers of Britons and the Romans won. Um, and the 14th Legion, the central unit in that, uh, got the nickname as Emperor Nero was the emperor at the time. And he called them the Marsha Victrix, which means the, the Victoria, their name was 14th Gemini Marsha Victrix, the 14th um, victorious sons of Mars. So what, Mars years, what, what year is this going on? Oh, in Nero, when was he emperor? Uh, about, uh, maybe about 34, about 40 AD, something around then. Wow. So, um, uh, but... Uh, it's fucking mad, isn't it? It's, no, honestly, it's fucking mad how the Romans managed to hold on. And after Boudicca was... And how many uh, Romans was there in the battle? 14,000, something like I that there. Like, what, 100,000 English, did you say? Yeah, I don't know about 100,000, but definitely huge, 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 huge numbers. Numbers. That's the problem when you get, like, ancient historians who write about the battle, they will scale it up on a magnitude thought, yeah. but uh, there are some amazing battles like Alexander the Great uh, the battles he fought he was outnumbered in almost every single battle and you know, he, he was like a, he was an absolute mad cunt he charged the head of his men every time that's why he got injured I mean he even got shot with a ballista bolt which is like a huge arrow and still had that thing cut out and he kept fighting you know what I think's mad though and like I don't mean to sound like proper crude or nothing but like and obviously the Romans did awful things, oh. but there's something just like badass, as I said earlier, about just walking in somewhere and going, oh yeah, by the way, this is ours and we'll kill yeah. you all if you don't let us have it. And we might just kill yeah. you anyway. That's a mad opinion coming from a Brit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, that's what I'm saying. It can come across mad, but like, there's something like, res- respect. it's like very, I don't know, just something to respect about it. No, and I Just being that. like, you know, like, just strong and like you know we're going to defeat you. The, the concept might mix right. I know what you mean. Obviously, it's I'm not, obviously you got like all like empires and that and there's atrocities and I would never say like oh I love an empire. You know what I mean? What, what's your favorite empire? You know what I mean? But like just from talking from, <laughs> talking from I'm not digging at all, lads. You know, talking from a historical point of view, I, I just find like big. Yeah, characters from history fascinating. No, I and, agree. So fascinating. No, do you know I what I mean? No, and and something, quite, something quite badass about them no. in a horrible way. I know completely what I mean? agree. I'm, a, I'm like a, you know, I've already said I'm a vegetarian. I'm quite a pacifist kind of fella. I, I'm obviously I abhor war, but there is inherently the the fascination just, of it's the fascination of how did they do the things that they did? Like Genghis Khan, one of the most brutal people in history, made an em- the largest land empire. And that's what in I mean. Yeah, and it's you how, can't, you know, and the thing is, it. Genghis Khan was exiled from his own tribe and was forced to. He was pretty much exiled, condemned to death. And then he went he out. Still and managed to that. unify <laughs> yeah, uh, the Mongols and then conquer that, no, that, so that, much You've hit the nail on the head, Chris. That's what I admire is the the, the mental fortitude, fortitude that's to it. go like this doesn't work for me. And then obviously Genghis Khan went on to be an absolute bastard. But like, if you, you know, looking from a historical point of view, those tasks you got to do in history, mm. like what was good about mm. Stalin? And you'd have to argue what was good about Stalin. Yeah. And that's when you get into like, well, he must have been a stoic person. He must have been, you know, whatever you'd say for Genghis Khan, the fortitude to get, you know, outcast and then go, yeah. I'm going to come back and fucking just build me own ah. then. And then Nick, come back. And it's like, this bastard's back! You know what I mean? And he's going to kill him. Yeah. And it's like, we thought he was finished. And that's what I, that's what I appreciate, yeah, is like, yeah. 
Yeah, just like strong it's, characters. There's uh, that's the interesting thing about Rome. Uh, Rome's always depicted as this big empire that was like unstoppable. Rome had its balls handed to it so many times. Most of the Roman inventions were actually copied from their opponents that defeated them. So the Roman army, when they first fought, they fought in what's called the phalanx. It's the way the Greeks used to fight. You ever seen um, 300? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's not really accurate. But you see that shield wall they have, the like row of shields yeah, and spear yeah. above. Yeah. that's a phalanx. That's like a, it's like a big shield wall with spears above it. That's the way the Romans used to fight. But then they fought a group of people in the mountains, the uh, the Apennines, and uh, these people were called the Samnites. And the Samnites used tactics. The Romans were like, what the hell is this? And they got they got absolutely hammered by them. And the Samnites fought in a more loose formation, and they had swordsmen with larger shields that sort of curved around to protect their bodies. And Romans were like. That's a great idea. So they copied it, perfected it, made and it better. They, and like, then the they had the turtle formations uh, the and Testudo stuff. Testudo and stuff that, like yeah, that eventually yeah. came along. Yes, but this that what they call it? Because that's what the Latin yeah. name for it's all. Yeah, 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 Testudo. 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 Um, but the... Um, didn't know that. <laughs> but the... Um, uh, even the sword, the Gladius. The Gladius uh, is a vicious sword. Very small, but it's a sharp point and it's designed to puncture here or armpit, Ribs groin, yeah, yeah. vital points that will easily make you bleed out. Um, and their sword is actually, it's called the Gladius Hispaniensis. comes from Spain, because they fought Spanish mercenaries fighting the people of Carthage. They're people from North Africa. And uh, they're like, this weapon is vicious. This is an incredible weapon. They took it, improved upon it, perfected it, made it their standard weapon for uh, much of the high Roman period. So that's the whole thing. It was adapt, improvise, overcome. So you're saying yeah, the Romans had their asses handed to them loads, oh but every God, time they did... They look for ways to like. Should the battle of Cana? How do we? We've been beat. How do we improve? To exactly. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the thing is, Romans were never uh, one of the most famous periods that's ever happened in Roman history. Was the Second Punic War? You've heard of Hannibal? Hannibal, Hannibal yeah. led his elephants across the Alps. That famous yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Hannibal was a North uh, North African general, and he was probably one of the, the most intelligent, smartest strategists uh, up there with Napoleon and the like. Just incredible mind, and he. Uh, took an army uh, against the Romans now the navy he didn't have, the fleet wasn't strong enough to take on the Roman fleet so he decided to march over land f- through hostile tribes through the Alps in winter like a madman and he came into uh, northern Italy with only like a skeleton force fought the Romans beat them uh, when he was outnumbered fought the Romans was he North them, African? Trasimene. he was North African yeah yeah Hannibal uh, he started from Spain though from Cartagena in southern Spain Carthage okay. Nova as it was called at the time and moved into um, well that's the Roman name for it anyway moved into over in Italy beat the Romans a couple of times and then fought the Battle of Cannae Cannae is probably the biggest def- one of the biggest defeats for the Roman army in its history uh, was something like uh, what was it I can't remember it was eight legions so that would be 80,000 men because you had double the amount 80, no no uh, well some, it could have been 60,000 killed according to historical sources but Hannibal had 32,000 men against 80,000 Romans and the Romans were on the plain field so and they had better equipped and better stronger men Carthaginians were tired and his men weren't as well trained the only thing Hannibal had that was better was his horses his cavalry uh, on a plain field field as I said and he beat them and how he did it was that he had his front line he put them in a semicircle sort of formation out towards the Romans and uh, he put his weakest men in the centre his Gauls and then on the flanks he put his Libyans his best men and he put his heavy cavalry on the left and right as well heavy cavalry beat the Roman cavalry and then as the Romans came forward they pushed the line straight 
and then an inverse sort of semicircle. So the Romans started getting surrounded sucked into them. this pocket, pocket and surrounded them. And then Romans were so tightly packed they couldn't even move their swords. And then the cavalry came back to close the box and that's how he won the battle, even though he was outnumbered by the Romans at all times. Isn't I it? Lo- I love stuff like that, mate. It's isn't so it good. mad? How but like- this is the, weird, the weirdest thing. Hannibal, after he won the battle, this is the third time the Romans have been absolutely devastated in Italy, in the centre of their of their empire, you know. And after this point, parts of the uh, of Italy started to de- defect. Uh, the city of uh, Capua, which was the second biggest in Italy at the time, it's where Naples is today, declared uh, you know it de- declared its secession from the Roman sort of sphere of influence. And uh, Romans, what they decided to do, they didn't back down. When a messenger came to uh, from Carthage came to Rome to negotiate, talk about things, they told them to be out of the city by sundown and we'll be killed because then, then they even started levying slaves to fight the soldiers yeah, yeah. the Romans decided to fight to the bitter end and eventually they won the war and Hannibal eventually uh, was exiled from Carthage and then died um, in uh, in Turkey uh, at some point much later but the Romans again they never backed down after that fight and that was one of the most fascinating periods of like, of just watching how a society reacts to such Rebounds. a shock yeah, um, yeah. Such a big then, defeat. Yeah, such yeah. a big defeat. Like 60,000. Apparently during the war, I can't remember if it's true, they lost 5% of the male population of Rome. 5% were killed. In that in the, in, I don't know if it was a battle or a oh, war, war. But 5% what? of the population is... What that's fascinating. That's dire. Incredible, yeah. yeah. What's fascinating is like, it's not enough to be a brute, is it? No, you've got to be smart. You've got. It's not yeah. enough to just have more and be stronger. Like no. intelligence kills, man. Like if you Even can that's outwit in mythology someone. as well. Uh, mythology. Do you know who the god of war is? Uh, is it Martin? No, it's Mars not. is the Roman god of war. The Greeks call him Ares. Ah, oh, right, yeah. And then, but there's also another goddess of war, Athena or Minerva, Athena, as the Romans yeah. call her. She, but every time they fight, Ares and uh, Athena, who do you think wins? Well, there's Athena win. Athena, because she, yeah. she's the strategist. She's uh, the goddess of strategy and warfare. Ares is just pure unchecked aggression. And uh, in Rome, Mars is a bit different. Roman Mars is a bit more subtle. Ares is sort of like unchecked violence. Blood, is what he is. Blood, blood, violence. He supposedly made a bed out of the skins of men he killed and stuff like that. That's what? how brutal so he was. Pure, just the film? Is it, is it Gladiator or is it Troy or something as a film? And there's two armies coming together, like the Greeks and the Romans or whatever. And... One of the armies as a like of the time, it must have been big back then, probably only five foot two, but it must have been big, like you know, six four, six five, something. And he, he's huge and he comes out and he's just a big brute. He's and got back, a big warhammer, yeah, that's gladiator because they used to have like rather than the armies fight, we'll have two you know men fight. Um, and yet the gladiator comes in, he's a smaller fit human and he obviously outwits the, the big brute. Yeah. Does he run through his legs or something and just fucking oh. I don't Is know, it, but. Uh, and he ends up defeating him, but it goes to show, just like, you know. Yeah, strategy can sometimes. Yeah, well, like strategy, strategy trumps violence. But it's like that in, in every yeah. walk, like, like football, like you get the worst team with a better strategy to mm-hmm. outdo well, the, the more skilled team yeah. on paper, and they outwit them with, with a tactic. <laughs> Unless your name's Russia in World War Two. <laughs> and then or it's just, today. Or, yeah. <laughs> so what they used to do in World War Two is say you'd have a group of four men, you'd give the front one the rifle and the other three men ammo and go right all he is run and when the first fella dies pick up his rifle on you and go. then hopefully yep. one of you gets to the end with the gun why yep. not give them all guns they, they didn't have enough, enough. <laughs> they, they couldn't manufacture enough guns for yeah. the soldiers I'd be like what I've got fucking ammo I've got in bullets in me fucking get me the yeah. MP40 so, so, that, so that's when numbers be like that with the gun I'll be fucking with that gun yeah. so that's when numbers yeah, can genuinely outpay 
is when you've got millions of people and just swarm. They call them human. They call them human wave attacks. Iran yeah. did it in the Iran Iraq War. I think China did it in the Korean War as well against the against us yeah. and the UN forces as well. So um, it's pretty. It's, it's a, it's a, a brutal tactic. tactic brutal, but, but it's very effective. If you've got enough mental waste. Yeah. Have you done yeah. much? Of it, obviously, your specialism is ancient history. Have you done much on like modern history? Hmm? Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I did a lot of trial. I lived in China for a time. I went to Korea. And so did you live in Korean. China and Korea after your masters? Yes. So is that the time between then and starting? So after your Sweden, uh, I did a lot of traveling when I was in Sweden. Me and my best friend Axel. You remember the Arab Spring? The uh, the whole spate of revolutions that happened in the Arab world and all the political violence, Tahrir Square in Egypt. Well, anyway, me and we Ryan went. are okay. thick to all this stuff. <laughs> well, uh, I am sitting, my I'm friend, sitting in, I like a big sponge. I'm like, yes, just tell me. <laughs> well, there was a, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, there was a load of revolution. That's what led to the Syrian civil war and stuff okay. like that. That's going yeah, on. Yeah. A horrible, horrible thing. But when we were in Egypt, um, uh, we decided. My friend and I decided to go to Egypt. I came up with this brilliant idea because it was really cheap. Because all the tourists had run away because it was political instability in the country yeah, yeah. so we'll go it's really cheap we'll get everything dirt cheap that's a brilliant idea let's do it so we went to Egypt and we we're the only white guys in Tahrir Square where there's a protest going on the next day there were tanks blocking off the square oh, so God. that was a bit awkward <laughs> what time's but, this what time's this, uh, this was, went, it, was it 2017 no no was I, was in, I was in China in I'd say 2014 maybe 20, yeah, 2014 20. I remember there was like a, there wasn't it like a civil Uprising also. Yeah, in, in Egypt, Egypt, that was it. We were in that yeah. square. We were literally in the square with yeah. the uprising happened. And again, my friend Axel's like seven foot. So, uh, I mean, two tall, out. pasty white guys that stand out like sore thumbs. Um, and uh, I mean, my head reflects sunlight. So, I thought it was not either. But, um, just a glow. <laughs> so, yeah. Snipers. But no, the, uh, well, we went to Egypt and we had an absolutely fantastic time. Um, Apart from the fact we're in a car crash, that was that's another story. But um, yeah. t- drivers in Egypt do not give up. Crazy. Fuck. Drive the wrong way. Our taxi driver drove the wrong way up the road in car, and we collided with a family on a bike. And I was <gasps> like, "Oh God, we've killed someone! We've killed someone! We've killed someone!" We hadn't, thankfully. No one was injured. It was just the bike was knocked over. Just traumatized. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then our taxi driver literally just went. Ugh, and then grabbed a bottle of water and got out of the car to go and talk with him. And I'm sitting there with Axel and our friend in the back, just going the fuck just happened but um that was uh yeah that that was just uh just one of <laughs> our experiences happened. i also got into um i don't know if i should be saying this in the podcast but uh they can cut um, it if you don't want it yeah, the yeah. uh i got into a uh fight with an armed security guard in the valley of the kings because i was trying to take pictures uh, you're not allowed to take pictures <laughs> a full so on fish tried, fight oh no yeah well, he tried to grab my phone off me so i tried to wrestle it back and we got into a struggle and his friend came over with his assault rifle and said drop the phone let go of the phone and uh, he was like oh, yeah he's <laughs> I'm the assault rifle. I don't think I can win this one. And, Why can't um, you take the, photos of it in Valley of the Kings? Oh, yeah, you're not allowed to, but uh, it's because if you have the flash on, you can damage the paintings. But we obviously, you know, my friend and I, both archaeologists, we're not going to put the flash on. That's silly. But um, the uh, what he started threatening us, like, the, do you want to go to speak to, the, I can't remember, it was the commissar, the head, the guard or whatever. So we slipped him £20 to fuck off. And uh, once we gave him £20, they, uh, the phone kept all the pictures. So what we did then is we learned a lesson. You can only go into three or three tombs in the Valley of the Kings, or five if you pay for like an extended ticket. So we went up to every tomb, slipped a fiver into the guard's pocket, and got went a in. photo. No problem. I got did in, that in, photo, so. in the Vatican. You're not allowed to get a photo oh, yeah. of Michelangelo. And I'm like, wearing my girlfriends, and I just like in front of everyone went, "Excuse me, there, love." <laughs> yeah, 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 went, You're not allowed to take photos. Like, Demi. I'm never coming back. I know no one here. I'm not I'm asked. I'm getting a photo. Got almost like that to me, mum. Get on that 
bit there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... As long as the flash is off, uh, it's grand. It's like they had that problem in those like prehistoric caves in Lascaux in France. Too many people coming in taking pictures. The heat was caused doing damage to the paintings. What's that so... place in the world where they created a replica of the cave? Of, yeah, like... Lascaux, yeah. Is they that the one? The replica of it yeah, in, uh, so, like... in France. So you can go in and see a replica of what the actual cave looks like, and it's like to scale looks identical. Yeah. But you can't go in the actual cave because it was getting ruined. It's getting ruined by too many people. What, did he build a replica? Yeah, yeah, they built a replica. What the fuck? Oh no, it gets weirder. Abu Simbel in southern Egypt. Uh, that's the big. Um, if you ever seen like the mountain, the big thing, the big four men carved into the mountain. Yeah, Florida, yeah. That's Abu Simbel. Uh, that is not in its original place. Uh, when they're building Aswan Dam in southern Egypt, the the dam would have flooded. Abu Simbel, so they literally cut it out stone by stone, moved it up the mountain, and it's and uh, replaced it. Just moved it. Same, it's the same monument. They literally just moved it up the mountain a bit so that it doesn't get a. Swamped underwater. Yeah, we're going to take that and move it up 100 feet. <laughs> Literally, it's what they did. So uh, they've done that, uh, was it in the 50s, 60s? So, Be gutted um, if yeah. you were like chipping the stone away. I went, out of I fucked his eye. That's one of the most interesting things about Abu Simba as well, because not only is it historically interesting for the Egyptians, but it's interesting because of all the people that have seen it in history, tourism. Even the ancient Greeks considered this ancient. So there's graffiti from ancient Greek soldiers when they So that's visited, how long it's been there. That's, that's how long it's been there. There's graffiti from medieval the Byzantines who had written stuff there and stuff like that there and their names carved across the legs in Greek and stuff like that and it's absolutely fascinating uh, the British expedition to uh, in World War 2 uh, you had our British forces and all and you get graffiti from the British soldier station there in World War 2 and all of that is like some people are like graffiti it's it's a nuisance but sometimes at what point does it become art or historical preserve because some of this is really really fascinating well, of course yeah because it's not graffiti if you're going back thousands of years yeah, and it's a it. it's a way to measure where people were in a certain period of time that's another thing they don't tell you much about classics just how dirty the ancient peoples were if you go to pompeii and stuff like that graffiti scribbled everywhere the amount of cocks you see drawn on walls yeah. incredible <laughs> one of the best ones i saw was outside of well they call it the pub it was a taverna or like a tavern yeah. sort of thing or taverna shop is he were tavern or a shop but anyway it was called i think the name of the place at the time was the temple of the fawns that was just, just the dicks name. everywhere but oh no 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 right it said written in latin as i fucked the barmaid here so it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant you know it's uh, mad because you don't think that they speak like that oh fuck they did uh, another one was uh you haven't seen venus until you've seen my wife which is kind of like you haven't seen like i don't know think of the one of the prettiest woman women in the world venus until you've seen, you seen my wife and then there was a male prostitute offering uh oral sex services to ver- to to women so uh, because remember uh, like the idea that a woman is virginal until her hymen is uh, burst in, in, in history yeah yeah um, so kind of uh, offering oral sex is not going to not going to do that, do that. Yeah, yeah. and then it's not only that so he's offering the services and he says virgins go free first time and stuff like that so it's really really so it's awesome. carved on these walls in Pompeii yeah it's all so carved like it's scratched just scratched on walls and scratched on the walls like graffiti That's there's insane. so much amazing uh, history to graffiti and um, one of the, my favourite ones the funniest ones uh, I've ever seen was one of the, the earliest known evidence we have of Christianity in the Roman world is a piss take and it's a uh, it's a cross it shows a cross and it shows a man with a donkey's head crossed on it and it says Alexa Menos Sebete Theon and it's in Rome and it literally says Alexa Menos is honouring his god and he's taking the piss he's pretending Jesus is a donkey and he's got him up on a cross so it says in Greek yeah, he's honouring his god this man Alexa Menos must have been a Christian and his mate's like <laughs> you know making fun of his Christian mate so it's oh, one of the fun. earliest uh, instances we have of um, uh, of like uh, Christianity and it's fucking piss take so uh, I, 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 I don't find that mate 
just gonna I, say, I love stuff like this because again they, you don't, they don't cover that a lot in history yeah, but people yeah. back then were no different than we are today just, well, I suppose, this, just yeah. this funny crude good sense of humour you I know suppose, maybe, sexually charged maybe <laughs> they do but I suppose like a lot of religions I suppose my experience of them is it's all taken very seriously Mm-hmm. And they don't want to show the piss take or the light side, or they yeah. want it all to be taken. They want themselves to be serious. You know, don't take the piss, don't do this. Yeah. So maybe that's why. But before we get onto kind of what you did about in your PhD and stuff, there's one question I want to ask. I think it's quite funny. Is in your time between masters and PhD, you worked as a historian and a tour guide. Is that true? Yes, I uh, worked in uh, Belfast, uh, doing tours of Belfast to um, gullible. I mean, uh, interested <laughs> members of the public. <laughs> so, what, so what we? So what like? Was the tours about around Belfast? Well, uh, everyone, a lot of people when they go to Belfast, they go to see the stuff to do with the Troubles, all well and good, or they see the main monuments. I was trying to show, I literally was doing Belfast hidden history. Belfast for a very long time has um, been a hotbed of rebel violence. It's never happened before. But, uh, yeah, no, who could have seen that? But uh, it goes as far back as the uh, United Irishmen's Rebellion. That was 1790. 1798 um, something around then but uh, the Society United Irishmen I think I'm right on that number hope, hope so but uh, the um, Society United Irishmen um, were a sort of the reason they were called United Irishmen is because it was both Protestants and Catholics unified against the uh, what they saw as the perceived exploitations of the English yeah, yeah. being poorly treated. For example, the Anglican faith. We're talking about religion here. The Church of England uh, was the dom is the dominant faith in England, but they tried to impose it over in Ireland. The Church of Ireland, it was called. And if you were not a member, uh, you know, a subscribing member of the Church of England, you couldn't go to university. You couldn't join the army as an officer. You couldn't get any form of social advancement whatsoever. This pissed off a lot of people of like well, certain it was like social rank. credit in a way. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of people at Belfast at the time majority were Presbyterian or Catholic. They were not. There are not many Church of England Anglican members uh, or Church of Ireland Anglican members at all. So uh, obviously, you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend, sort of thing. They unified yeah. against this. And um, some of the, um, uh, like, uh, you've ever heard the term the Emerald Isle? Yeah. To refer to Ireland, that comes uh, from the Society of United Irishmen. I think it was William Drennan. He was a priest up in Belfast, and he came up with the term, and he was writing about it. Mad. So um, yeah. Belfast is a lot of history of this uh, at the time. And then around this time, we also had the French Revolution and the American War of Independence. Um, so yeah, that was a really, on the 17th, really, um, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, um, how do you say, Rebellious, anti-English sentiment, and then eventually culminated in a big rebellion. Because a lot of Irish were in America, and they must have knew about the, you know, the rebellion going on. They were like, there's a lot of a lot of um, people originally living in America are from Ulster. A lot of them because they were they made to leave, you know, the Puritan movements and stuff all the way to the west. A lot of uh, Presbyterians from Ulster also fled because of the uh, persecution or the lack of advancement they could achieve Mm, under under uh, English um, uh, control at the time. And this is what led to the United Irishman's Rebellion. And the rebellion was ultimately a failure. You know Wolf Tone, if you've heard of him? He was one of the ringleaders of the rebellion. But uh, the um, I, would sh- I would show people around the town some of the famous sites, like uh, where McDonald's is now in Belfast. It used to be Belfast Castle, uh, which is the centre of the town. It used to be a Mont- Norman Martin Bailey, and then eventually it was a much more substantial Elizabethan sort of style castle, and it burnt down. 
And then right beside it, where BHS stores is today, there was the Central Square, and that's where all the criminals were executed and stuff. Oh, right. And a lot of the ringleaders of the rebellion had their heads cut off and put on spikes. And the uh, then just across is the courthouse. It's now abandoned. And some of the most interesting uh, events happened in Irish history, all Irish history. Like, you know, like you hear Irish music in a pub. Yeah. A lot of that music was passed down orally, oral tradition. So not a very good way to record and preserve things yeah, for posterity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, uh, it's a couple of the United Irishmen. Um, I think it was um, Henry Joy McCracken. He was one of the ringleaders who was executed. But he and a few others um, realized that, uh, well, the Irish music, the Irish folklore, that, that's in danger of dying out. So he organized what's called the Belfast Harp Festival. Got some of the best musicians from all of Ireland, got them up to this building. Still there in Belfast today. Again, it's derelict, it's abandoned. Got them all in there and they had a wee festival. And they have Mad. people are sitting recording the music, writing it down, and that's why a lot of music still preserved us today. Mad. Wow. What year is that? Like early eighteen hundreds? was a late uh, late eighteenth century, yeah. So it's yeah. around then. But um, it's amazing the wee things that you go by. I didn't even notice until I started doing the tour. But um, uh, showing people around parts like this, and uh, so they also the industrial period of Belfast, because Belfast for a time was one of the biggest ports in the world, uh, just because just right up in the height of the industrial revolution, yeah. started to decline after the First World War. But um, that's why things like the Titanic and all were built over there and then yeah, shipped over yeah. Liverpool and so on. So um, the uh, there's a lot of history in Belfast beyond just the Troubles. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, funnily Did enough, the Troubles, a lot of the issues from the Troubles go as far back as that. Because that, yeah. after the United Irishmen's Rebellion, the English brought in, uh, well, the British government brought in what's called the Act of Union with the Ireland. The Irish Parliament, the Doyle, was suspended and it was ruled directly. Um, or its members, I think, all went over to Westminster. But the rules that they were like persecuting for uh, Presbyterians, they were removed. Uh, so Presbyterians could now attain office and stuff like that, but they were kept in place for Catholics. Kind of uh, like a divide right. and conquer sort of, yeah. you know, like the, like it was done in India, sort of stuff yeah. like that. What the fuck was the problem with us, man? Well, this, when you, you know when you were saying before about how having empires is really cool? Did you <laughs> don't put words in my mouth, Claude? This, this, this is. I said it's it's cool how the fortitude of individual characters, which stood no, certain pressures, and he been able to rebound like badass. We, we just wanted to preserve the the British nation essentially, and we because that we, didn't it also because we invade and we had the famine in was it yeah. famine, uh, famines? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was we were just wicked to everyone. Yeah, no, because, I mean, because seventy we, years ago or something like that. Because we yeah. want we wanted to preserve the British nation, and we used everyone else to do it and be rich and control the world. Yeah, we I get, I get the economic, I get the economic like incentive of the time. Like that's what everyone tries to do back that. then. Uh, you, um, any group that's seen as potential threats to your way of life, you try to. But I mean, why? Ro- why would they Russia see- did it as well? I mean, a lot of the, for example, even in Ukraine right now, a lot of the soldiers fighting for the Russians are not ethnic people from like Moscow or Saint Petersburg. They're sending people from like you know the Asiatic parts Sounds, of the uh, yeah. parts of the uh, Russia. They're using them. In, in but why? Roads. Why? Yeah, just naive historic, hist- historical brain, but like, I don't get why you perceive, why why was a- another religion's way of life on another island so, why did the British see it as such a, a detriment to them? Probably because uh, it's the concept of common identity, you have something you have in common with your, you know, your fellow next to you, same cultural thing fear of organisation, organisation can lead to conflict and it's better to have an enemy that's broken up and split into like many different groups or trodden down so that they can't propose a threat to you in future. It's the potential. It's not, isn't it? But like, well then, I, well, that, well, I suppose that explains like, you know, the Irish, or what they perceive to be a threat from Ireland and that's why they want so, like, to create. like the plantation, they try but, to outbreed the Irish by bringing in but why then, stuff like that. But Ireland's their neighbour, why were they trying to 
trying to take over like South Africa so far away. What, what was the threat Resource, there? Well, and Resources, well, colonialism, uh, yeah. prestige. Yeah, like that. it's uh, it's all about the uh, uh, resources. It's so fascinating, man. Like, yeah, just like what, what is the reason as to well, why? That, well, that's why yeah. Europe colonized Africa because Africa is one. Of, isn't it still one of the biggest places for natural resource in the world? Uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo has the highest concentration of, of coal. It would be the stuff. richest uh, country on earth in terms of net resources if it could monopolize them properly. Yeah. Um, oh, unfortunately, it's a very unstable country, but it, it would be one of the richest so countries on so earth. That's a lot. Of, a lot that's so a we lot talked of, about that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Like that's a lot of the reasons you have on like unstable in Africa is because we colonized a lot of it and then when we left we didn't really give much thought about the borders still are, but things. not just that uh, yeah we don't care about like the tribal uh, yeah. elements and stuff like that just draw uh, like a <laughs> straight uh, line arbitrary line <laughs> yeah but uh, not only that it's um, there's still a lot of uh, western influence in these countries like have uh, you noticed recently with the in whole these, thing yeah. going on in uh, West Africa the whole yeah. uh, instability with the uh, France. France still has a lot of influence in there they still have soldiers there that's what I was saying to you before with France, like that's why. That's, yeah, lads, you were telling me. Yes, yeah, so that's yeah. why. That's why in Niger, that's why it's it's all kicking off because like the is it the Junta? Is that the the Junta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Junta. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they that's why they overthrew it because they were sick of the French influence of the country and how the resource was being, even though it's not a colonial thing, whatever, was still being sent to France. Let me. And th- they weren't benefiting. Let me throw my curveball at you, Chris. Oh, here we go. <laughs> no, oh. it's not my curveball. What's your take then? You said you've been to Egypt. Um, what's your take on the the Randall Carlson and um, what's his name Randall Carlson is it um, who does the who's like he, 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 oh, what's the name of his programme um, the Ancient Apocalypse uh, what's his name Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock and Ancient the, Alien sort of stuff not Ancient Alien but that's the st- I don't I'm not trying to um, I, I think there's aliens out there but I'm not trying to claim that they've built the pyramids. They go into that stuff. But what about the claims that the the pyramids are are older than what they actually are? Like, I, as someone who doesn't have a background in this stuff, mm. I can't decipher what's actually no, no, meaningful and what's not. And they they they've come out recently, and there's been a lot of publicity around. Like, you know, Joe Rogan podcast put them on, and other mm. podcasts like Lex Freeman's had them on, and big scientist Andrew Hoberman. And yeah, the claims that the the pyramids are actually older than they are. And then yeah, places like that, what's that called, like Ubekli Tepe and like Turkey and that, which is super old. And yeah. the, what we originally thought was like the earliest civilizations is actually. Yeah, yeah. What's your take? I don't know. Uh, okay, well, first off, like uh, you ask me, um, my friends would generally would roll our eyes, but that's what um, I'm saying. Yeah. But at the same time, like you have you have to be careful because just because it sounds fantastical doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. I yeah. have to be I have to be open to the idea that could have a point. Um, if there's evidence that comes out down the line shows holy shit these guys were right take my hat off to you I'll not I, if you asked me five years ago I would have told you to fuck off you know it's yeah, silly yeah. But I'm just being more um, open key, open but uh, like when it comes to things like I've heard like theories like oh it's all a precursor Atlantean civilization I'm just like is anyone yeah, yeah, yeah has anyone ever told you Atlantis was a mythical uh, creation created by I think it was Plato in one of his dialogues and then uh, people were like nobody based it on a real thing I was like well why did he create it as a fictitious state but um, anyway um, uh, also if it was a precursor how do you explain things like certain crops that only grow in in like the new world like tomatoes and corn yeah. and they, they didn't have potatoes and they only existed when we brought them over here yeah, yeah. If, if it was a precursor civilization we would have had them here already yeah, you know yeah. 
Uh, also the ethnic variations between us. There are some models already that explain why, like for example, um, North American peoples, uh, people from the Americas, sorry, uh, North and South, have uh, Asian uh, features because they cross the Bering Strait, that bit between Russia yeah, and uh, Alaska, uh, thousands and thousands of years ago. One thing I feel, um, now I honestly keep my mind open to it. Now I'm just being honest right now. I am open to the idea. And if more evidence comes out in support of it, brilliant. Now we know more. This is great. Well done, guys. You've been vindicated. But at the same time, I feel that one problem we have in history is we underestimate, always underestimate human ingenuity. So the pyramids themselves, a lot of people looked at it going, how could they build something that big? Because they had a lot of time and they were very smart. So uh, look at us today. We, we rely so much overwhelmingly on technology. Yeah, uh, yeah. We take a lot of it for granted. Even like the microphone I'm talking to you, if the technology that went into making this thing is incredible, but that's only through hundreds and hundreds of years of development standard on the soles of giants and, type exactly. thing yeah, yeah. but even back then it's just like how could they lift something so big because they use ingenuity it's they figure out ways to get around it that's one thing humans we have we're very very creative but do we not know the exact ingenuity species. to use they do, yeah, they, they do you know, um, with uh, for example the large stones they floated them up on barges on the Nile and then you put logs under them and then they help them move almost like a primitive wheel but how do you get uh, them you can help them that way sorry how do you get them up? ramps ramps and pulleys build ramps and pulleys yeah. and you have a lot of people uh, yeah. that's one thing another uh, misconception is a lot of people think the pyramids were built by slaves no they weren't built by slaves no. built by uh, paid workers and it's one of the earliest evidence we have in history of a strike uh, in the world that was held by the workers no, building in Egypt uh, because they weren't paid and they, were, so they downed their tools until what, they were what, paid why do certain people because I, I, I've not like I've, I've seen you know the, the Car- Randy Carlson stuff I think that's his name and Graham Hancock I just don't know. I don't know what what was the evidence they were using to validate their arguments. Um, probably, you know what I mean? I've, I've and like the rope books. What, what are the well, books called? On things they've seen. To, Something. To it's like. Um, is uh, it completely disregarded? Sorry, Chris. By the archaeology world, that like that the, what they're saying is absolute nonsense. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but at least I know my few archaeology bodies would just be like either they roll the eyes or just say I try not to think about it sort of thing you know because it's just like ugh, whatever um, there's uh, it's controversial to say the in least. the area yeah, yeah yeah but um, I again I like to I keep my mind open I mean um, for all we know uh, we could have visitors uh, I'm sure you've heard about this whole David Grush thing going on with the UFO stuff at the minute they could have visitors coming uh, uh, like next week telling us how oh, we built that Cheers for letting us know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that's yeah, it. Here's the selfie I took at the top. <laughs> that's another man's one. And the way there's like pyramids all over the planet. Oh, yeah, it's also, a, it might also why, why was everyone building them that didn't speak to each other? That's well, because it well the concept isn't it? Is it isn't it points to God and go up stuff. to the heavens? Yeah. yeah, and height height indicates status because it's yeah. big. You can see it for far around, and it's also practical because you get uh, building a tower. You might not have the technological know-how to build a tower. It's stable enough, so you build it. Wide, wide the base. Yeah, yeah. that makes it easy you can actually see the development in Egypt the first they're called mastabas they're really just like, like little things buildings and then they start building they the build step pyramid top. and I've then they build that. a triangular Shit. one then there's the Dashur pyramid that I've been to where they didn't do it right and they built it like this and then it goes like that isn't there loads of so, pyramids uh, in near Cairo oh yeah yeah no, we, uh, we I, only think there's three don't no, think there's, there's hundreds in the no, I stood uh, I stood at Cairo um, I was at the uh, red pyramid and uh, you look to your left, and there's about six pyramids in the distance. You look to your right, and there's about four that and way. You never see no, them. Right. They keep going as far as they, and they're all on the west bank of the Nile because that's associated with the sunsets, with the dead associated with them. So on the east bank, there's nothing. On the west bank, it's where all the pyramids are. They all are. tombs. Yes, every single pyramid is generally built as a uh, tomb for someone or other. And some of them are like piles of rubble and sand now. Oh yeah, they've all collapsed in the piles of rubble and sand. I've and climbed. it just looks like brick. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. It's like a building site gone wrong. 
But like, like it's a tomb and it's like, like yeah. <laughs> oh. um, I, uh, I went in the one so I did and uh, it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life that time I was in Egypt you crawl down the, 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 the passage yeah. and it's a very very long climb down it's very claustrophobic and I was like fuck this when I went about like two seconds in I tried to turn out my mate Axel's arse was just in my way so I couldn't pass <laughs> it was so I was forced get the fuck out of the way I was forced to just like just go down oh. and then we had a but when you finally get down to the bottom it was incredible but I uh, actually got a wee bit hypoxic you know just like I can imagine yeah because <gasps> there's not enough oxygen down there so you're yes. like right, let's get the fuck out quickly but it was amazing to get down but once you get down you're like right I'm back out to go yeah so, just um, a weird feeling of, it is, yeah, yeah it is very very uncomfortable I've still got my backpack uh, back home and it's got the scratch marks from the, the yeah. ceiling of the tomb on my uh, on wow. my uh, backpack so um i mean it's very very small you have to crawl down yeah, to get, yeah. get for it you know and you're going down that way so it's really ooh, this feels weird but um there is a photo it used to be my uh, my uh, researcher profile photo for a long time and it's me sort of like in the tomb in passage, the hole. Right? and uh, you can't see i'm where i've got my sunglasses on but i've got a face of pure terror <laughs> <laughs> I, just, like, Jesus. I hate tight spaces but, uh, I, yeah I, I yeah yeah panic me yeah, they're not nice. Like, you know, people say you've got like phobias and stuff like yeah. Like I'm scared of spiders, but I've got a phobia of them. Tight spaces, right? I proper yeah, fuck it, like lose my mind. I'm like, whoa, this is horrible. Yeah. Like, what you what came up on my TikTok a few when I like first got it? Is it what's it called? And is it splunking? Spelunking the cave Spelunk- crawling, yeah, yeah. Where literally they'll go through spaces in the rocks climbing and it's that tight oh that like the videos to, and the video on the like face Superman, and it's like so it's that tight you have to go one arm through and like shuffle through with the what do they do if they get stuck you die <laughs> there's, a famous, <laughs> there's a famous story it's either in Canada this is very off piece not even famous cave, I know of it there's yeah, a yeah. famous is it Canada yeah, yeah. I've, I've, something like I see with Canada, Canada America, but I know one some... of Nutty Putty Cave and a lot so of people think have died on it this, fam- this family found a cave either on the farm or near where they were Okay, yeah. So the, the family went in to try and fucking excavate it, but they, they're not cavers or anything, so they went in and it started getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And there was a particular point where it dropped straight down and to carry on. Yeah. So the the fella who was at the front, one of the older brothers, was just like, yeah, I'll go for it. Dropped down. But because he he'd never been in the cave before, got stuck upside down like this, and they couldn't get him out, and eventually he died because all the pressure went to his head. He was stuck in the cave upside down for like 24 hours. Oh, lad. Fucking hell. The the daddies went through. And like mountaineers, like, you know, mountain rescue went in to try and get him out, couldn't get him out because of the way way he'd fell because it was like a ledge. He just fell down and like couldn't get back out. That'd be the magic just facing darkness. He's still in there, yeah. Yeah. Because they can't get him out. He's stuck. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at someone dead. <laughs> no, but like, but like yes, so now they have like signs outside all the yeah. cave. That, that was very off piece, but yeah, <laughs> interesting story. So we'll move on then. So we've talked about undergrad, masters, research in between, speaking around the world, and a lot of very interesting history. Oh, no, but now, I've never met someone who's so like. Oh my god, this is amazing! A fountain of knowledge, lad, on yeah. the topic. And then, and then spoke you, to professors and they're like, sorry. What's what's and, amazing? <laughs> is, I really see you have someone like a couple of weeks later going, he's talking bollocks. Loads of archaeologists are gonna get onto us. That's wrong. See you on about yeah. that. Date's wrong. No, I mean like your recall of dates, dates? and stuff. That's, lads, that's wild. Answer. We wouldn't recall that, times. Date, I'm actually really research, poor with dates, like but I remember the sequence of events pretty well. You know, ah, so like, if you kind of know where the start was, you can kind of figure. Yeah, no, I'm. 
I'm always just, I don't know, when I was reading, I'm very good at making an image in my head and making yeah. it come to life. And like every time I'm talking to you about like even Alexander the Great, an image forms in my mind of what's going on. And that's how I sort of retell it. I don't know. I've got a memory like a sponge in that regard. That's so you know? sick. Um, but, like a so I suppose that then helped you with your PhD, which we'll get onto now. So what was your P- So obviously, you how many years? That was it four or five years? Uh, oh, PhD. Uh, oh, between my before I started my PhD, I uh, I said I did a lot of traveling, traveled around the world and all that, and then I came home and I uh, tried getting on PhD. I, I got in. Um, when did I start my PhD? Was it always on the cards to do a PhD, oh, or uh, did it just well, kind of? Well, to be honest, I was the first one of my family again to go to university and you know working class background and all that there, and I figured, fuck it, why not? You know, yeah. I always, I never thought it would in a million years, but um, after I, the traveling, you'd come back and you were kind of like. I wanted to at that point. I did yeah. want to, but I was just more about how do I do it? Because again, no one in my family, no one I knew had really done it. So how yeah. the hell do you, what do you even start? Well, turns you have to make your own proposal and stuff like that there. Well, so, I, was, uh, I was quite, well, me and you were quite lucky in that regard, weren't we? Because you applied for a project that was already It's different in this, anything in STEM, it's like different. Yeah, so I, so I, I applied for funding of a project that was already written and you applied for one that already had funding, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, because ne- luckily, I never had to go through that mm. process because I'd, I'd have found that quite daunting. It's exhausting. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you one thing, though. Uh, your proposal, your, if, if you both get on, good luck, by the way, guys. Um, if you do <laughs> get on the PhD, um, your uh, face is going to look wildly different from what you think it's going to be. Oh, um, mine changed even, day one. Yeah. I can't even remember what my proposal was now, but I remember yeah. it was on the galley, but it changed so much and then it became some sort of comparative analysis between the galley and all these different groups that have existed in history so it was like uh, completely different from what i'd set out to do but came up ended up becoming more of an anthropologist than a, you know a, a so, classical historian so what was your phd on then in the end okay so uh i mentioned earlier about the galley the people that uh, castrated themselves yeah but it then mentions after they do this they dress up like women and they act that way for the rest of their lives and the ancient roman writers hated them because they what kind of man castrates himself they had really toxic concepts of what it means to be a man in my personal opinion which i haven't re- i'm planning to write a paper on at some point don't steal it um the uh <laughs> we can cut that if you don't want sorry the um i feel that a lot of our values in the west our approaches towards homosexuality and trans individuals yeah. stems from the romans okay because of course we we come from roman culture a lot of yeah, our values yeah. our language well half german but our language even uh our uh like um behavioral traits and our customs christianity of course is very roman influenced so um, uh, the same values from their views of people who did not adhere to what's expected of a man and what's expected of a woman uh, and their hatred of anything that sort of deviates from that uh, might explain our cultural, how do you say, distaste for individuals who do not adhere to that. And that's why I wanted to look at um, the Galilee and there's a lot of things in the archaeological record uh, that we don't understand about them. We've got like tombstones from some of them or inscriptions and they're interesting, but we also, um, the only evidence we have about like why did they do what they did comes from ancient writers who hated them. That's like the equivalent of uh, Very biased. like Westboro Baptist Church doing a history of LGBT peoples and it's the only source we have 200 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. you're not getting the proper view. Or, like, or the KKK being the only history on black right movements yeah the only Jewish information you get from so, Nazis um, yeah. yeah it's the um, so I went into it and I was like how can we understand them better because I'm as an archaeologist I come from an archaeological background I have a more hands on approach as in I don't just look at the text I looked at the artifacts and I 
put probably more in, uh, uh, you know stress on the artifacts than I did as much the texts. But um, I've also started to look at other groups around the world because there are other groups around the world through history. I'm not talking about people from here, the West, like modern um, trans individuals. I tried to avoid the West because I didn't want Western how do you say, like, uh, bias or influence, because uh, remember I mentioned earlier, I have a hypothesis on the Roman, our Western cultures being influenced from Rome. I wanted to look at cultures that were not linked to us at all through history. Yeah, so yeah. I found a few. I found one group in India, uh, one group in the Pacific and North America. And I looked at these uh, groups. The groups in India are called the Hijra. They still exist today. They still castrate themselves uh, in honor of a mother goddess. Uh, they worship their own goddess called Bahikaramata. And they do so many things that are so similar to what the Gali did in history. There is a genuine, uh, how do you say, there's a genuine debate as to whether they were directly linked at one point. Because remember, Alexander the Great got all the way out to India. So he's saying cultured and uh, spread so, so all the way down. So it's that similar. It, it's kind of like that similar. This would be weird if they got there on their own. Yeah, they worship them over, they both worship them over goddess. They both castrate themselves. They both beg, ritual begging. Um, they both dress as women and uh, they perform r- like ecstatic dances, like elaborate dances in honor of their uh, of their deities. And there's also a day of mourning in India called Kuvagam where you mourn, uh, I think his name was Arvan, you mourn like this hero in the Indian folklore who died young and the, uh, they all get together and have a big gurn or a big cry. And uh, the Gali did the exact same thing on the, I think it was the, was it the Halaria? Uh, the festival, no, or the Atidea, the festival of Atis, this immortal youth who castrates himself for Kibele, dies, and then they all got together and had a big cry over him. So it was either the Atidea or the Halaria festival. It was one of, or um, it was one a lot of, of coincidences there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Many coincidences. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the, um, I'm, plan on to maybe do a paper on that some point down the line but the uh these priests again we don't understand we didn't understand enough about them it was my argument so i wanted to look at these other groups see what similarities these groups had with the galley and if they have any particular traits that we might be able to look at and apply it to the archaeological record it turned out it actually did work because um so many archaeological things we noticed like uh um, find evidence, for example, of a homosexual marriage, which in the ancient Roman world is near unthinkable. You know, homosexuality was okay as long as you were the dominant partner. And that's the way the Romans handled homosexuality. Well, between men. What and do women, you mean? You know. I don't, I don't so uh, in ancient Rome, if I'd asked you, are you gay or straight, they wouldn't understand because okay. there was no such concept. You could have sex with any man or woman you wanted, oh, okay. but as long as you were the top, the dominant. So if you were giving it rather than taking oh, it. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, yeah. So, uh, so if, if you would you forgive my innocent mind. If you took it, you were the effeminate, you were the... Looked the, down upon looked type down thing. Upon. And so you, wild, isn't it? And if you were given it, like, some of the most militant, Emperor Trajan, one of the greatest uh, emperors, military emperors, was a known... Emperor Hadrian, the fellow built the wall, was a known homosexual and stuff like that there. Um, oh, man, that's the same culture in, like, prisons and that. I find it really interesting. Yeah. It's almost like a, a primal thing. It's uh, like an I mean, act of yeah. dominance over another person. Yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, in ancient Rome, their concepts of approach to sexuality were really, really weird. But they're very similar to us in some ways as well. Um, but one thing I found interesting was that if a woman tries to get on like this, no, 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 no. Can't have a woman doing that. A woman is strictly second class she does as she's told she is passive at all times any woman that dares assert herself in roman literature is either described as a whore a monster this that and the other if you ever look at them like some famous uh femme fatales in ancient roman or greek literature you have like circe or medea or even um uh, real women like agrippina nero's mum uh ancient writers accused her of having sex with her son 
She didn't, but because she was a powerful woman and she stood up she for herself. That was that she's was a whore, she's everything. Or Claudius's wife, Messalina, she was accused of having sex with the entire court because uh, she dared conspire against her husband because she stood up for herself. She had her own. Cleopatra, one of the best examples ever. She was a woman who is uh, one of the main things you see about her on TV. She's always seen as sexy or a, like a seductress. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the reality was because she was a powerful, smart woman. She's a very intelligent woman. She's probably one of the only ancient monarchs of Egypt, the Greek monarchs of Egypt who could speak the native Egyptian language and she spoke many different languages and uh, the Romans couldn't handle this. They're like, who, who is this? Who is this harlot who dares talk to me as if, you know, I'm an equal? It's like, she's a woman that knew her own, her own worth and the ancient Roman writers, because remember who the Roman writers were, all elite men, like the most toxic Tories. It's like the equivalent of Jacob Rees-Mogg's, you know, like fucking, they're all like <laughs> Just an army of Rees-Mogg's. An army of Rees-Mogg's and they despised anyone that dared get on like this. And that's why you see it in history. That's why it? women were so despised in ancient Roman writings. And the good woman is a woman that sits down and does as she's told, according to these Roman writers. It's it's wow. it's disgusting when you look at it Isn't from it a modern viewpoint. Isn't it like that was so long ago? And obviously, lots of things have progressed in the world. But then, like, it's still happened. Like, it's still like, oh. and I obviously, recently. That's why I think it's the exact same thing with the uh, the trans movement. The difficulties trans individuals are fe- facing today with not being accepted by uh, a lot of mainstream society. I've just recently watched uh, a documentary on the BBC about Sinead O'Connor, the musician who's just. Uh, I'm a yeah. massive music fan, and all the things you've just said that the Romans were calling women who thought, you know. Yeah who were intelligent at the time and, and, and who stood beyond what was the supposed post, but, you know, it was she rose above her by. station, so to speak. There was the yeah, same yeah. things being said in, like, a, in a modern way, you know, yeah, like, she's crazy, yeah. she's a nutcase, and then now, all the same, all, all, everyone looks back at her and goes, how amazing was she? Yeah. And it's weird how, like, we're still doing that to individuals. Again, I think it's just, it's from, uh, it's uh, it's still relics of uh, Roman culture. Oh, uh, that's why that's I look- such a mad connection. That's why I looked at these other groups that weren't Western at all, like North America before colonialism, India before uh, that, and then in the Pacific, they all have these trans, arguably trans individuals, people who were not, they did not adhere to the expect expectations of what was a typical man at the time yeah, yeah. or a woman. Um, and uh, there's so many similarities between them, like the Hijra in India, as I already mentioned, eh, the Mahu in North, in, uh, sorry, in the Polynesia and stuff like that. They're men who would uh, behave in a female manner and do women's work and stuff like that. And then the Berdash in North America, who would do the same thing. Uh, and then even some of the Berdash, they have male genitals, but they referred to them as like vagina and clitoris and stuff and they uh, when they were having um how do you say intimate relations with their male partner yeah. if they got an erection they were really embarrassed and angry because it's a reminder of their man of, manhood of the gen- so to speak yeah, yeah. um and uh, so that's all really fascinating you can see you're you're picking up all, all this time and you're watching it and then some of them the bear dash for example died out well, they have a modern equivalent called the Two-Spirit, but uh, that's a different story. But the uh, Beardash, like one of the last ones we have was a fella called Woman Jim. Probably shouldn't call him fella, but uh, this individual called Woman Jim. And they were interviewed in the 1800s and they were asked, why do you do what you do? They're like, I don't know. It's just what I am. I was born this way. It's funny. It's, exa- it's the same argument, today. isn't it? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? I am born this way. I can't explain it. It's just what I am. That's perfectly fine. I mean, but it's interesting. But it's how. still the same it's questions, the isn't it? It's the, same, it's it's the re- exact same answers as well. And I think it's more of a, they are what they are. The society hasn't really adapted to fit that. But the funny thing is a lot of these uh, things, these groups, when I say society, I mean Western society, but a lot of these groups were accepted within their communities. 
until the Westerners come along. Colonialism and the Bardash, when the when the, when we colonized the, uh, oh, the states, shit. they were persecuted. When we get to India, the British deliberately stripped the Hijra of their ancestral begging rights and privileges they were given under the Mughals and uh, pressured the, the, for example, the Padishah of Awara, which is one of the British sort of dependencies or vassals, I can't remember which one it was, but they pressured them to strip the Hijra of their rights and even claimed they were molesting children and stuff like that and went in to break their so what up what evidence like do we have, Chris, that they were accepted? Oh, uh, well, the fact is, the uh, for example, cultures. in Berdash, they had a uh, they had distinctive rights roles within the tribe. Um, for uh, for example, the crew boats, uh, they all have different names. Berdash is kind of a in, inaccurate term, but it's like a catch-all for all these different groups. They all had different tribal names depending on what tribe they were in. But uh, the for example, the Nadli of the Navajo. I uh, no, who was it again? No, the the Lakota Winkta. I think did the scalp dance. Wasn't it? No, the Cheyenne Himana did the scalp dance. And uh, they, um, uh, with the scalp dance, which is sort of like a thing, you know, the scalps of the warriors, they would bless the scalps and it would, they, they believed because they're stored up virility because they, yeah, you know, yeah. they would bless the soldiers in more fighting. And some of them had the power to curse. Other ones gave children a blessing when they were born to give them long life and a secret name, just like the Hijra do today in India, because they go along and they perform at a new wedding give the family long happy life and many children or the firstborn child and they do a dance to give the child long life and virility as well same thing Mad. very interesting they all have similar roles but they all have found a place for them in society in the in Tahiti the Mahu um, that's where they were first encountered William Bly the fellow from the HMS Bounty the famous Bounty Mutiny uh, he's the one who encounters them and he says they were kept solely by the chiefs so the implication is they're among the high class uh, the high caste of society in Tahiti at the time and they had a distinct role there but they always have a place for them in all these societies until the westerners come along and then they're persecuted and they're despised so particularly by christian missionaries particularly christians what's the evidence then chris for if if because that all makes sense, and it's such an interesting pathway. There's obviously a lot of. I'm trans- not doing it justice in the way I'm communicating. You it, are, like, no, you no, are. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of um, homophobia, transphobia that exists yes. today. Yes. We all know the language that goes on around it, the debates that go on around it, um, and we've linked that back to the, to the to the Romans, and they felt the same way. We know that other cultures, not you know, had, had opinions on them, but they weren't so. You know, look down upon the exactly. roles in society. That's exactly it. Has there been any analysis? You're saying that the literature that existed on these cultures from the Romans were biased because they were written by Romans that had a, a, a you know they looked down upon these people. Is there any any been like any psychological analysis as to why, if that's where it was inseminated or could have been inseminated, is there any understanding as to why they were thinking that way and why they have almost yeah spread the virus of 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 no, hatred? I you know where. Well, in we, that literature, was there any yeah. indication why are these thinking this way? Why are they looking down upon these people? Uh, just because they were different, as simple as that? Really, it's a really good question, but it's most likely because they were different. Uh, Roman, this concept of Romanitas, this what makes a Roman man a man, is toxic and is beyond our concepts of toxic. For example, you have long hair, uh, and even I have a shaved head. These are barbaric customs. Uh, even a beard, which is funny, because a beard for a long time was a big no-no in Roman culture. Up until Emperor Hadrian, then a beard became very much in fashion. So everyone had a beard then. But long hair is seen as effeminate, oriental, eastern, that's something, or or barbarian, Gallic, uh, primitive, stuff like that. They're uncivilized, as they would say. Not groomed, um, type not, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But they had, so, even the clothes 
clothes you wore. I remember reading um, a Roman man who wore uh, like a thin garb or like almost like gauze, and his name is Creticus. And I think it was Marshall writing about him. He calls Creticus literally a canadus, which uh, controversial term is the uh, the ancient Latin term for effeminate male. But the effeminate male is not the accurate term. It literally is the F term. You know, it yeah, is yeah. a more uh, a more accurate way to. Put to convey what yeah. is actually yeah, so it was, it was, it was not just them saying this is an effeminate man. This is with like a this is an F word. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, this is a slur. Worse. We this hate slur. these people. This is a slur, yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know if he called Creticus that, but um, I remember this term is used around to refer to effeminate males, um, and uh, even like a man that wears particular clothing is referred to in this way, and it's like ah, uh, you're beyond the pale. You know, you're beneath contempt, sort of thing. So um, what? Like, you, so you said men with no hair would also look down upon. Anyone that didn't adhere to these, oh, they'd be bald men, of course. But I mean, like a man like shaves his head in, like uh, would be uh, would very likely probably be looked down upon. Like even in so, what the would you meant to have? You grow if you're bald, you have a wee bit of hair on the side. <laughs> but uh, like even in the Victorian period, remember men that shaved their heads were seen as prison convicts and stuff like that. There, so you wouldn't shave your head. Even shaving the head has suddenly come into fashion in the past thirty years. Really? I seen something. No, it's mad that you said the beard thing. I seen something that said. In the last like hundred years, there's not been a, a leader in the UK or America with a beard because it's oh. seen as sneaky and it's seen as like um, not groomed. And then I started thinking, and I was like, Donald Trump, Obama, Bush, the other Bush, Clinton, Ronald Reagan, in America. And I was like, No, I, I go can't back think to like, anywhere beard. No, gotta go back to like Abraham. Lincoln, Lincoln to have a beard and I was like mad you know what I mean it's funny uh, Margaret Thatcher had a phobia of beards so you're going to say she had a beard then <laughs> <laughs> uh, no she uh, her name she had a thing called pogonophobia pogon is Greek for beard uh, uh, pogonophobia so she had a real fear of anyone with beards she despised them yeah. Um, so no one in her cabinet, I think. No the fear of scouts as well. Uh, I've got a fear of anyone of less than. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I fear of scouts. Yeah. more just a hatred of scouts. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, I was saying them um, about uh, the Creticus and stuff like that earlier. Sorry, yeah. No, no, it's okay. The um, Anyone who did not adhere to this concept of what's expected of a Roman man. So Creticus is this individual who I think it was, I think it was the writer Marshall, but he says that he wore like gauzy clothing, like sort of shimmery, see through stuff. And he's like, oh, he's clearly a, an F word. Um, I don't know if he called him up, but he did imply it. He made fun of him for it. And then there's uh, also uh, Julius Caesar, for example, was accused of having homosexual relations with the king of Bivnia. It's sort of like modern-day Turkey, or a part of modern-day Turkey. Uh, but the thing is, uh, the scandal, he was accused of being the bottom one. And uh, this caused uh, this caused a lot of scandal, you know, like in Rome. But it's obviously his opponents trying to, you know, his political opponents trying to belittle him, yeah. you know, to weaken his... Uh, Power. power exactly but um even that you're just like why is that a problem but it's it's an example of the uh of the what culture. their culture sounds really mad as well i don't mean to be crude but was a woman on top looked down upon then uh, Did the man always have to be on top uh, to I'm be actually, dominant? I actually haven't looked much into that, to be honest. Do you know what a I mean? Because it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? Like, a sexual one, a woman who's sexually active was disgusting. Um, uh, a woman who was passive and all things. Because the concept of the woman is to do pretty much take it kind of mentality. That's Lighter why. Um, type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, yeah, but a woman who was assertive in any shape or form was looked down. That's on. what I'm saying. So being on top is a bit more assertive. Not because funny thing is in Pompeii, uh, there's a brothel in Pompeii and they've preserved, it's well preserved. And above the door to each room is a graphic depiction of the sexual acts that people will perform, lovemaking scenes to try and entice you when you're going in. And there are some scenes of a woman like uh, doing reverse cowgirl and stuff like that there. Yeah. So there's, oh, wow. uh, no, 
on bottom. Yeah, basically. No, but uh, yeah. there, there are a few. There's like doggy style and stuff like that. It's all different sexual positions. Like, uh, but um, it seems pretty how do you say pragmatic but the thing is we must remember a lot of these writers who are really disgustingly tough elites they don't speak for the majority of living people yeah, unfortunately yeah. their voices are lost because they were the common people most people couldn't read or write at the time although graffiti might imply otherwise um, a lot of people couldn't read or write or they didn't write so that their writings were recorded for history but a lot of people in my personal opinion a lot of people the same with the Galli like the Galli was shown hatred from ancient Roman writers the elites but the common people must not have a problem because they existed in Rome. They still have tombstones to them, so they clearly have people going, so the, I'll make your tombstone yeah, so, for you. So there wasn't so like a mad work. societal revolt around No, they wouldn't, have been able, they wouldn't have been able to exist if that yeah, was the case. Yeah. They, were clearly, they clearly were tolerated. Tolerated is probably the, the best word to say. They, they were accepted to an extent, but the ancient Roman writers, the elites, the, the, hated the, them. The, the, yeah, they hated them. And in many ways, because that's another thing we don't... We, common sense uh you know in, in antiquity they had common sense then as we do now like a lot of things like even um like how, how do you f- f- the one thing i just wrote a paper on there recently was uh, there was a law passed by emperor domitian that a roman citizen couldn't castrate himself so everyone assumed well that means the galilee couldn't have been roman citizens because there was a law against it then i thought to myself how many times chris how do you know someone who's broken the law is like you can't do that <laughs> Fucking watch me, you know. We all know someone who's broken the law, or the people break the law every day. There's prag- pragmatism is is king here. Ryan hasn't paid I mean for parking. I'm sad for months. Same goes for the, the galley, and there's a lot of evidence to show that many of the galley were actually Roman citizens because they're always displayed. Funny enough, another parallel with today, you see a lot of these like uh, movements who are like a trans, or they can't be. They're not one of us, you know. They're outsiders, sort of thing. Um, and in native American Native American societies today, a lot of these uh, people who are two-spirit, like homosexual Native Americans, people who interviewed them in modern society say, oh, they're not one of us. There's no such thing as gay people. That's a Western fad sort of thing. You know, Native Americans aren't gay, which is bollocks, you know. Um, but uh, the thing is, it ties from this, you, you literally other another group, another group that doesn't adhere to what you expect of your own society. You offer them, they're outsiders. The ancient Romans did the same thing, and that's my theory with the Galli. The Galli are always called Phrygian. Phrygian is a place in Turkey, so they're sort of, they're, they're not Roman, they're not Italian. They are Phrygian. Yet there's evidence in archaeological inscriptions, they have what's called the three anomina. They have three names, and only two groups in Roman society have three names. Roman citizens and people who were freed, freed from slavery. And they usually took the name of their former master. But the thing is, a lot of these tombstones doesn't say, I am a, I am a freed man. The Latin word for freed man is libertus, so we get liberty from. But uh, they don't say, I'm a freed man. And it's fairly common, a lot of tombstones, someone who f- was freed, you know, would, say, would say that. So yeah. the implication is they've got three names. Uh, then, uh, because then they're Romans. And then finally, one thing uh, to really cap it off was a thing called the Edict of Caracalla. Caracalla was a Roman emperor. Um, and in about was it 212 AD, something around then, he made a law that made every single member of the Roman Empire Roman citizens. Every single person was made a Roman citizen. So... By default. Yeah, by default. Assume, yeah. So uh, how can the Galio be foreign unless he's importing them from Russia or something? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or unless they're importing them from Russia? Uh-huh. No, they clearly had to have had that Roman citizens. Sense. So that's an example of how, oh my God, well, it's the law says, and then people haven't questioned it. I'm like, yeah, well, come on. There's mate. other people, evidence people, than people, that. Laws can like 
fall out of date. You know, there's medieval yeah. laws still in, in you know, Great Britain today that haven't been repealed and they're probably silly. And like, like we all why know is the, it? You can't Miffin carry a salmon suspiciously around the oh, yeah. in, or, London. Uh, in London. You have the right to like of you have the right of way if you've got a flock of geese or something yeah. like that. There, you know, <laughs> it's just like what? Yeah, but, but some of these old laws that people have completely forgotten about, yeah, you course, know, yeah. or are overlooked. Like you know, in the American Army recently, right. there was the oh. "Don't Say Gay" thing, you know, because mm. uh, with a homosexuality in the army, it's sort of like a "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." And I think the similar pragmatism would have been seen with the ancient Gallia. Right. Well, I would love to sit and chat it. All day, <laughs> all day. I really could. It's so interesting. But sorry, folks. By the way, for the oh, don't apologise. <laughs> this this has been such an interesting episode. Uh, very, very, very. I think much appreciated. Sorry, Anya. I think Chris has been my favourite guest up to now. Most interesting I, I, guest. I, I would find it hard to argue with that. You better pick Anya just in case. Yeah, Anya, you're ones. my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> but before we uh, we finish, before we let you go, I know we've run on a bit. Um, we have two more questions we like to ask sure, sure. that we like to finish on every episode. And the first one, as all the listeners will be aware, is Sam's favourite question. My or famous, famous question. question. I feel like Chris is going to be deep now. This is going to be good. This, <laughs> this is going to be good, this. Um, right, Chris. Go on. Tomorrow's coming and you're about to die. Sorry, mate. You've been diagnosed with a terrible problem. And I come <laughs> in and say, Chris, unfortunately, you're about to die. The great maker comes down, whoever that is, and says, Chris, I'm going to grant you one wish. What is the thing that you want to know that you currently don't know that would make that good night a little bit sweeter? What is the one thing that's played in your mind your whole life that you have no idea what it is? You don't know the answer to it. And someone will give it you now. They'll go, there you go, Chris. I'll provide it. We've had some stupid ones on this. Like We've had some deep ones. Like We've had some very deep ones. And we've had some funny ones. Like... <laughs> Well, my first thought was a silly answer. Like, if the maker came down, my only question would be, where the fuck have you been all my life? (laughs) (laughs) I'm here now, Chris. (laughs) I'm here now. Yeah, Yeah, I suppose it'd be something like that. If the maker came down, I'm just like, what the hell... what the hell is this? Maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. what's this all about? Like, what is the true meaning of all Uh, this? No, no, I mean, I love... because I'm fascinated in space, I'm very aware of how small we are as a yeah, tiny yeah. little, we're a little speck. I always used to use this euphemism when I was trying to explain to like my younger brothers when we were growing up. You know, if you're out in the back garden, you're digging and a wee worm sticks its head up. Can you imagine how fucking head melted it is right now? To be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you think that worm has any concept of the human that's dug it up, the why we've dug it up, the meaning of its little plot of land that yeah, is for yeah. our back, back garden, the planes in the sky, the wars between nations, the telescope, we have no idea just like we have no idea of what's going on there so i always see that as something to be humble about not some people are afraid of it i see it as a humble and we'll keep learning and it's amazing to keep learning but if if something like that came down to say okay i've got one day to live i'd probably ask for something like show me a bit more you know maybe um a question like I want to know a bit more, like what's beyond the concept of a supercluster or like uh, you know the, the great the great galactic voids we have between. Uh, is it galaxies? right what we're proposing? Is to yeah, is this like right? Of, have we got it right? Is this yeah, what's yeah, happening? Yeah. Or, or are we on the right path? Yeah, because yeah. I I think there's 
so many we're still going to discover the new forces of nature we're going to discover it's going to completely throw like Einstein when he came up with the uh, theory relativity. of relativity completely through yeah, our yeah. concept we still can't reconcile quantum physics with um, uh, a Newtonian um, uh, Newtonian yeah. physics and we're just like um, are we on the right path or have we got it all wrong from I the like start it. but I would ask like, again joking aside I actually would ask if the maker came down and be like where the fuck have you been <laughs> all my life why, you know why don't you make yourself known give people hope but yeah. um, I would just ask maybe just a wee bit more knowledge you know yeah. what what's it all about to an extent like uh, what, what, like, or as we'd say back in Belfast what's the crack we asked mate what's something, the, something like that think it's a blossom song the, if you think this, this is, is real life, life. <laughs> you what, the funny one is because obviously a lot of the people answer go is, is there anything after this and then we had we had the funny conversation. We were laughing on air once when someone said it. We were like, "Would you really want the answer to that when you're about to go?" Because imagine if the answer's no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Molly. <laughs> she went. What happens after you die? Do you, you know, do you go somewhere or just nothing happens? And he went, "Why the fuck would you, you want, want to know, know that?" that? <laughs> if you went, yeah, nothing happens, and you're just going, "No, no, no. no. <laughs> these last two hours are going to be horrible." <laughs> no, oh, no, it's all over. Shit, I peacefully in her shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that mad question. Like, if, like, sorry, if there's the proposal, I'm going to drag this podcast on for another minute. If there's a proposal, into that, like, if nothing does happen after we die. And like we were all gonna die, like would it just ensue anarchy? Because like we're going to lose anyway. We're all going the same. Well, not. But like, does that like whole thing like religion keeps people good because they mm. think they're going? And it's suppose it's that whole collective I, thing of well, people like to live in when it's comfortable, and yeah. anarchy's not comfortable, is it? Maybe. Suppose that whole yeah, natural yeah. progression as well. Because isn't atheism the biggest religion or non like? in the UK now isn't like that's that the biggest in the that's, last census that's why I say I'm an agnostic because again I'm just a tiny little speck what can I know you know but uh, someone asks someone asks me like do you believe in God I would just say what do you mean by God that's the philosopher talking you yeah, know yeah. Because what is I think, God because <laughs> there's a Christian God then there's the Islamic God these are monotheistic then you get polytheistic gods and then you have to define what is God itself you know could God it's just, be the it's, planet it's, itself it's a ridiculous question within yeah. its own question but um, yeah. on top of that uh, I would say that um, one thing I like that keeps me sort of like keeps my head about this whole thing uh, sort of screwed on is uh, I've always been here in some shape or form I'm literally nothing but at least on its core level at the very very base level you're nothing but a, a you know collection of matter yeah. but that matter that energy whatever it is that made that matter it's there it's all it is and it can't it's go away it's always been there it can't go away because principle conservation energy energy can't be destroyed so no matter what you're still going to be here in some shape or form I like uh, it. you might not be you know this you know hello but, um, you'll be uh yeah but you, it's still whatever made you you is not going anywhere you've yeah, always yeah. been always been here and you'll always be here and that's just that's my nice. way it's, it's quite a nice thought that isn't it but uh, whether whether it's got or not, but that that's it. I like it. It's a nice, that's quite a nice peaceful thought, especially for again, I'm I'm someone who tends to not believe in yeah. in God all there. So that's a nice comforting thought. But the last question to end on. So we ask the question, and then we kind of sneak a bit one underneath if this is a bit if nothing jumps to mind. What is your favourite song of all time? And so, then the, the 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 question underneath is kind of well, if you can't think of that what what's like one that's stuck in your head at the minute. One stuff I, mean, I can tell you one stuck in my head. I listen to so much music. I'm a bit of a, a I used to have her longer in yourself yeah. <laughs> once upon yeah. a time. So still play the you know the guitar and all that. But right now, you ever heard the band Ghost? 
yeah um, ghost square yeah. hammer is stuck on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I was one of the best gigs i've ever been to in dublin but the song square hammer by ghost is stuck in my head right now and i can't get it out it's a good song have you uh, to ghost belly no i've never listened to it yeah that. you must have seen that song on tiktok they got big a few months ago they've been going for years um What's it called? Um, Holy Mary. Holy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary. Mary on a cross. Mary on a cross. Like, it, yeah. all the kids. I'll, give it, I'll give it a listen. I'll all the kids at TikTok yeah. that me using a little tiny snippet of it. <laughs> so what's your favourite song of all time? Or is that is that too, is it not coming? There's not coming, it'll change. Uh, I'm particularly fond of Pink Floyd and stuff like that. Yeah, there. Uh, when I was out in China, for example, because I would commute uh, to work and there's so many people, you're bunged in, like, you know, like yeah. sardines all crammed in and we're all just looking the one direction and the song, you know, Welcome to the Machine. Oh, lad, why was I going to sing that then? When he said Pink Floyd, I just I was about to burst out and go, Welcome, my, my son. son. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? No. Yeah. Lad, the it scariest br- song yeah, ever. And then the video though, yeah. is all like machinery and this this big thing moving like yeah. it's just like I felt like that I felt like I was just like another cog in a machine just going yeah. Uh, yeah, you felt like a drone almost because uh, just so many people were all doing the same thing and uh, it, it was just like go to school <laughs> <laughs> that's a scary very loud sympathetic church like oh no brilliant so yeah, yeah so thank you Chris very much for coming on it's been such an interesting episode thank you very much uh, everyone if you liked it thank you for make sure me, you like it um, comment let us know if you didn't like it we've got a dislike button but cheers for watching anyway uh, I don't think we've got any guests actually booked in the next coming episode so the next episode we put out might just be us two yeah I think we planned it to be me two. and you didn't we yeah little little catch of what we've been up to what's going on um, but until then we'll see you in the next one and peace peace out people